You're listening to Video Monsters, a weekly podcast. Uh, well, uh, mostly weekly. Sometimes more, sometimes less. <sighs> All right, fine. A mostly weekly podcast of Creatures Talking Features with your hosts, Nathan Simmons and Eric Harris. Video Monsters is brought to you by the Chattanooga Film Festival and Central Cinema in Knoxville, Tennessee. Follow them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, or online at chatfilmfest.org and centralcinema865.com. And links for each of these can also be found on our pages, so be sure to follow us at Video Monster Pod on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as well. Good evening, and welcome to another episode of Video Monsters, where we take movies seriously, but we don't even pretend to take ourselves seriously. I'm Nathan. I'm Eric. And if you couldn't tell from the terrible impression that I just did, uh, tonight we're going to be talking about Dracula. So that'll be fun. We're talking about Bram. You got to get it right, Nathan. It's Bram Stoker's Dracula. It's Francis Ford Coppola's Bram Stoker's Dracula. (laughs) (laughs) We are going to be talking about the 92 version of Dracula. Um, You know, how many people actually say Bram Stoker's Dracula when talking about Bram Stoker's Dracula versus just saying, like, you know, Coppola's Dracula or, you know, Dracula from 92 or. I feel like I mean it, it like when you try to look it up on different things it's usually just listed as Dracula but when you look in the movie itself it is listed as Bram Stoker's Dracula. So, I don't know. I, I think the official title has to be Bram Stoker's Dracula because I feel like what I was reading is that they used that title because they didn't want to be sued by Universal <clears throat> because they Universal had the rights to just Dracula. I wonder if they had the rights to um like from from the book because you know that was the whole thing with nosferatu and why it had to be nosferatu and not dracula it's because stoker's estate wouldn't give him the rights but whatever whatever we'll get into that in just a little bit (laughs) uh before we dive into dracula but before we seek our fangs into dracula ah, ah, see what i did there the fangs and the Thanks. Yeah, this this episode's gonna suck. Um, re- <laughs> <laughs> Super, we gotta keep, get the expectations low so that way we can exceed them. Exactly. Uh, super quick announcements or reminders: the Knoxville Horror Film Festival is coming up on October twenty third through twenty fifth, and tickets are selling out very very quickly for that. Um, I think actually that the only tickets that they still have remaining are just for the drive-in. Even though the majority of the weekend is going to be at a drive-in, there were a few other events at um, some of the other locations, such as Central Cinema. But all of those passes have already sold out, so just the drive-in passes remain. but again a great lineup where they're going to be showing pieces evil dead 2 the stylist return of the living dead uh grizzly 2 and demons uh, along with a bunch of shorts that they've recently announced on their facebook page so be sure to follow knoxville horror film fest on facebook uh to keep up with all of those announcements and also just follow the website knoxhorrorfest.com and um yeah again sadly we are not going to be able to make it this year which sucks i I hate the fact that we're missing it but you know global pandemic and new kids and all um not the most responsible thing for me to go which sucks (laughs) 
it sucks. Uh, but we are hopefully <laughs> eventually once we have time going to be doing an episode uh, covering the movies that are going to be screening there. So be sure to be on the yes. lookout for that soon. And then another quick reminder slash announcement about the Frightening Ass Film Fest, which is going to be October 30th and 31st. Uh, on the last episode, we um, we announced that it was going to be virtual again, but we didn't know exactly what that was going to look like. And while there are still a lot of details that we do not have yet, one of the details that we do now have is that... Um, that they are pairing up with Microsoft and media team again. So it's going to have all of the same quality as the Chattanooga film fest from this last year. And that was just, just such a great way to do a film festival virtually. So the frightening ass film fest this year is going to have all the same quality as chat film fest did just a few months ago. All right. I think that's all the announcements that we have. Uh, Eric, can you think of anything else? Any other announcements that, that we need to talk about? We mentioned Knoxville Horror Film Fest, Frightening Ass Film Fest. Um, oh, uh, um, bah, Chattanooga Film Fest. The submissions are open. Yes. Oh, yes. Yes, yes. Yeah. All right. So we're continuing on with our 90s horror coverage. And we're actually talking about a horror movie this time <laughs> rather than. Yeah, like a straight up R-rated horror film that. um I feel like I could also see people saying this is not a horror film. So, it's you know. <laughs> a gothic romantic drama with a few little monster scenes. I yeah, I could see why people would say it's not horror. But I mean, it's it's definitely a horror icon. That's for sure. Right, and it has and, some scary moments. Well, we'll, we'll get into that um, probably in the emotional in terms of. In in terms of whether or not the 90s version of Dracula hits as well as previous versions because of just like how it's portrayed uh, in terms of, you know, during the 30s when there were a lot more of those gothic monsters, it made sense because those were the things people were scared of. They were scared of the, the creatures that went bump in the night. Then all of the hammer Draculas, those, they're just fun and god i love him so much um but you know there's also kind of just pulling on on those more classic monsters the uh dracula 1972 did do something a little bit different and i love it but it was still basically the same story over and over and over again so yeah by the time we got to the 90s did we need another dracula movie we'll get to that in the emotional but before we get there um eric why why are we continuing on with our 90s coverage in relation to the other movies that we've been talking about this year um so the 90s is part of our ongoing series about the history of cinema that we've been doing so every month we've been um covering a different decade of cinema we started with the 1910s and um you know each month we've moved on a decade so the 90s or September coincides with the '90s, and also coincides with our uh, our horror movie coverage, um, because we do 61 days of Halloween, <laughs> not just 60, uh, or 60 <laughs> days until Halloween. Um, <laughs> um, so yeah, so for this month we're looking specifically at '90s horror. Next month we'll do 2000s horror. We might end up doing a little bit of you know kind of going back and forth, uh, but we are at the end of September, so we'll see we'll see kind of how that goes. <laughs> 
Um, but yeah, and the other thing too is like with the 90s and horror films, the 90s are kind of like a much maligned time in horror, I feel like, where it doesn't get the respect that it deserves for being a terrific decade of horror. Um, it really is. And when we do our 90s episode, because again, we're going to try, time permitting, uh, to also do an overall 90s history of cinema uh, episode. And man, there were so many good movies that came out in the 90s. It's just... Mm. It people don't remember that, but I, I don't want to get too far down that uh, rabbit hole <laughs> right now, or else <laughs> we're going to do that entire episode right now. For sure, yeah, um, yeah. Mm-hmm. And if you have been following us and you have been enjoying the history of cinema, you'll also notice that we have not yet done our '80s episode, and that's because we needed to dive into these '90 horror '90s horror movies. Uh, we are going to be doing the 80s episode soon, so be sure to keep coming back for that. All right, but on this one, um, we're going to keep going through and doing the reviews, same as we do in all of the other review episodes that we do, where we're going to be talking about prior information and how it shaped our expectations, what we thought of the film from a technical standpoint, what we thought of the movie from an emotional slash analytical standpoint, Um how rewatchable the movie is and who we recommend the movie for slash what other movies it would pair well with. So Eric, what prior information do you have about Dracula? Bram Stoker's so Dracula. I had never s- Bram Stoker's Dracula. Yes. Fr- Francis right Ford now. Coppola's Bram Stoker's <laughs> Dracula. <laughs> I had never seen this movie before. Um, and part of that is just because I've, despite my love of horror, I've never been a big vampire guy. Like I've never been that interested in Dracula as a character. I mean, we talked about this earlier this year. I'd never even seen the original 31 version of Dracula until this year. Um, I don't know. There's just something about Dracula that's always felt very kind of like stodgy and kind of dusty and dated to me. Like I've never been been really that interested in it. I've, I've never been really interested in kind of like the romantic angle of the character. Uh, and vampires in general kind of bore me, uh, which is super weird. And I feel kind of stupid for feeling that way. Uh, now that I've been watching a, a, a bit more I mean, you're wrong, vampire but movies. Yeah. Sure, sure. No, I, I fully admit I've been wrong on that. Um, so yeah, <laughs> I never really watched this movie. It didn't really have that much interest in it. Most of what I knew about it, um, at least up until the past couple of years, is just like people making fun of it because of Keanu Reeves' accent. Um, like that's almost all that I knew about this movie was that Keanu Reeves was in it and he has a really bad British accent that people would make fun of all the time. Um, and like w- the time that it came out, the reviews for it were kind of mixed. You know, some people really liked it, some people thought it was terrible. Um, I'd seen really as far as Coppola goes too. I've I've only seen his seventies output, like Godfather, Godfather Two, The Conversation, Apocalypse Now. Uh, I, well, actually, no. I take that back. There's one exception to that. I have seen uh, <laughs> Jack from the '90s, the Robin Williams <laughs> movie Jack, which I think a lot of people forget is directed by Coppola. Um, Man, I forgot I think that even it was. Coppola probably forgets that he made that or would like to forget that he made that movie too um (laughs) so yeah that's the only that's that's my extent with coppola so going into this movie i was really expecting it to just be like a really big like i expected it to be technically really amazing like fantastic costumes huge sets um like really great on a technical level i wasn't expecting it to be good as a story like i was expecting it to be kind of tonally all over the place based on 
what I had heard about the film previously. Like I've, I've seen a few people kind of come around over the past couple years and talk about how like, no, Dracula is actually a really good movie, but I was still pretty on the fence about it. Like I didn't know if I would feel that way about it or not. <clears throat> I was kind of expecting it to be very uneven. Sure. Um, so yeah, that's, that's kind of where I was going into it. So how, uh, how did this movie live up to or shatter your expectations? Oh, and, it, and it, we'll, we'll uh, get into the details, obviously. But. Yeah, yeah. It. I didn't know if you wanted me to get into that yet or not, but it uh, absolutely obliterated my expectations. I fucking love this movie. I think it is incredible <laughs> on so many levels, including Keanu Reeves. Like, there's something about his performance where I completely understand why people don't like it, but I think there's something that's kind of brilliant about the way that he's used in this movie. And the fact that he is not necessarily doing a good job almost works in the film's favor in the way that I looked at it. Um, so we'll have to get into that. But yeah, I I think this movie we is We disagree incredible. on that piece. I I love it. <laughs> yeah, we're, uh, <clears throat> we're, we're going to talk about Keanu <laughs> a little bit. Oh, I can't wait. Can't wait. So um, my prior information is I have seen this movie. Like, I know that I've seen it, but I, I don't remember when. I don't remember if I watched, like, all of it or if I only saw bits and pieces of it. I, I don't remember. I, I don't remember much about actually watching it. And, you know, when it came out, I would have only been nine. So, obviously, I did not watch it right when it came out. And and I think that when I did see it, I was still kind of in what that. A, in, what an experience that would have been to watch this at nine years old. <laughs> I would be a very different person if I saw this movie in theaters. <laughs> yeah. No, but when I saw it, um, I was in that sort of like in between phase of, I was getting more into horror. I appreciated horror movies, but um, like I was still scared by stuff. And, and so I, there's not really much scary in this one. And so maybe it didn't really stick out when I saw it because I saw it. So young. I, I don't know. But I know that I saw it. There just wasn't much that I remember. And I don't think that I've seen it since that first time. Like, I think that uh, rewatching it this week was only the second time that I've ever seen Bram Stoker's Dracula. Uh, and we're, we're going to get into the details. But yes, this is such a great movie. And I absolutely love it. And it has flaws. And some of those flaws are just so glaring and annoying and frustrating especially in light of how great some of the other things are but whatever that's just my own personal opinion eric and i are going Super to dis- weird i don't i don't we're, we're going to disagree about it about. I, I really want to i like i'm legitimately interested to hear them because i mean i like like i said i do think that there are certain things that probably stick out again like keanu reeves I, i'm interested to hear about some of the other flaws because they're the know, the man, this movie's some of the accents so really are just the biggest flaws. There's a couple of other little things, but yeah, Keanu and um, Winona, I, I, I love them both. I think they're both amazing actors and actresses. I think that they play their characters very well, but I hate their accents, but we'll get to that. Well, if it makes you feel <clears throat> any better, Keanu Reeves agrees with you. <laughs> it's so bad. It's just like even, even he doesn't like his performance in this movie. Man, we're we're gonna get into this, but um, but even oh, what's the dude? Uh, even Billy Campbell doesn't have as annoying of an accent because he's like 
just doing his an over yes he's doing like an overemphasized texas accent and and it's not annoying it's i mean it's not great but anyway, we'll, we'll get to that uh so my expectations <laughs> i i expected this to be a good movie um, in part because I had recently watched uh, Godfather for the first time, and so Coppola was fresh on the mind. But also, um, if I remember correctly, uh, Screen Drafts recently did a 90s horror draft, and, and they talked about Bram Stoker's Dracula and everything that they talked about during that episode. I was like, yes, all of this sounds amazing, and I need to go back and revisit this film. Was um, it the 1992 horror draft? Was it was it a specific year or was it an entire decade? I couldn't remember. I think it if you if it's the one I'm thinking of, it would be. Uh, the, I think they did 1992 horror with was it with Graham and uh, uh, shit the director of Bliss Begus. I can't think of his first name. Yeah, Joe yeah. Begus. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> that was a that was a good episode. Yeah, we, we we like screen drafts here on Video Monsters. Um. Yeah, so this this movie lived up to my expectations of it. It is a great movie with some flaws. Uh, one other piece of prior information that I'll probably get a little bit more into when we get to the um, when we get to the emotional side is I have been watching a ton of Dracula movies through our history of cinema series. And so I, I have been watching not just the uh, the classic Universal uh, Dracula, not just the different versions of Dracula showing up in the other Universal monster movies, not just the Hammer Horror Draculas. Um, I, I, it's very weird. I am simultaneously burnt out on Dracula and have a fuller appreciation um, because I, I'm kind of like where you were with not loving Dracula of just like I. Do we need another vampire movie? Do we need another Dracula movie? Uh, but the character is so charismatic that if you're going to do a, mm. a vampire movie, it's hard to not do a Dracula movie. But anywho. Yeah. Um, yeah. So so that's my prior information slash uh, expectations. Also, in case I did not mention this at the beginning, I, I have a three-week-old kid. So me and sleep are not friends right now. So if I am slightly more all over the place than usual, uh, give me a little bit of grace because, you know, I got a kid. Okay. So that being said, <laughs> Eric, what did you think about yes. Bram Stoker's Dracula, Dracula uh, from a technical standpoint? Um, so Nathan, it took me about 20 minutes to get through just the first eight minutes of this movie because I kept stopping it to rewind it because it fucking blew my mind. Some of the effects in this movie, <laughs> I, I, I so love like, the fact, but just really quick. I love the fact that you still say rewind when talking about like moving backwards in, uh, <laughs> In well, a movie. I actually thought for a second if I should use the word rewind or not. Like, I don't know if that's technically what you're doing anymore. So Man, skip that, whatever. I, I still I say what rewind say. and fast forward. <laughs> um, so, no, like I um, the first like 15 minutes or so of this movie are just so spectacular in a way that I feel like you don't really get in modern movies anymore or you so rarely get. Like, it is such eye candy um, because Coppola... You know, what I was reading is that he wanted to make this movie using effects that you could only use 
at the time of like at the beginning of cinema at the time of like the universal monster film so every single almost every single effect i should say is done in camera um you know they use a lot of like double exposure they're using matte paintings they're using miniatures um it's it's really amazing and lends this movie a timelessness that is just i don't know like it's so let, let, let me let me use this as an example so toward the beginning of the film there is a montage of uh, Jonathan Harker just going just going to Transylvania, going to Dracula's castle. And in an, any ordinary film, like it would just be whatever, like, you know, it's not a big deal. It's just a montage. It's just showing you how someone is getting to another place. But in this movie, it's one of the most memorable things about it, which yep. I think is insane. That w- that'd be like saying that one of the most memorable parts of the Harry Potter movies is just like the aerial shots of the Hogwarts Express. I mean, you're not like, wrong. I mean, they're beautiful shots. They're they're beautiful shots, but it's not like what I first think of when I think of the Harry Potter movies. But like, you get <laughs> we, the, we are this, very different um, people because sometimes when I think about which <laughs> Harry Potter movie uh, I, I'm watching, I think about what is the uh, like the establishing shot of Hogwarts because it's different in every single one. So it's like, <laughs> oh, true, the yeah. one where like they the go in on the boat. Those. Yeah, that's, you know, this one, the one where they go in on the Nargles that. Yeah. So, but um, <clears throat> yes, uh, well, I could, maybe that wasn't the best example. Uh, <laughs> I was just thinking of trains, but like you get so like you see the scene of like Keanu Reeves and Winona Ryder kissing and then you get like these peacock feathers that kind of come in which transition into the train going through the tunnel you get this absolutely gorgeous like orange sky um and then you get one of the most like amazing so simple but like one of the most amazing shots ever in any movie that I think I've ever seen which is where you see Harker writing in his journal and then the train starts going across the top of his journal. Um, so you're seeing this kind of juxtaposition of like him writing while also seeing the train going across. And it's done with a miniature, which is super cool. Um, it's so gorgeous. And it's like a fun little nod to the uh, the novel because the novel is, is epistolary. It's told in a series of journals. Um, and I don't know, man. Like there's just so much care that is put into the craft of this film um that's absolutely extraordinary and and it, it it has so much like there's a reality to it you know like in in a in a normal movie or in a, a modern movie when you're using a lot more computer effects they don't have the kind of weight that something like this has and it just completely drew me into this movie right from the get-go you get these amazing costumes like the uh the armor that dracula wears in the first scene of the film that looks like musculature i guess like his like muscles yeah it's so amazing you get the the battle that he's in um at the very beginning is staged in silhouette um it's just so gorgeous and it's so economical too like it it's a movie that obviously has a pretty huge budget you know they have these amazing sets that they've built um but at the same time it's like you know, Coppola is pretty famous for being someone who's constantly going over budgets with his movie. And this is one where he's like, no, I'm going to stay on budget. And you can tell that he's like cutting corners in some really spectacular ways that elevates the movie. Again, like showing this battle all in silhouette, like you don't have to have like hundreds of people out on a field. You can just show these people with this incredible sunset backdrop. And it's so much more impactful, I think, than even seeing like, hundreds of extras on a battlefield it's it's really well, remarkable and i don't know it's i love it 
I I am willing to put money down that uh, that opening scene where you know not the very very opening but that scene where um where Dracula is going through the battlefield and he's fighting everyone and it's that dark red backdrop and everyone's in silhouette I am positive that that shaped the intro to um, Rise of Skywalker where Kylo is going through on Mustafar and and he's killing everyone like it's paced the oh, same yeah, yeah. it's uh it's it shot the same it's framed the same but hmm. uh you know Coppola did it better because his really actually did. had a point and it wasn't just a MacGuffin uh but but yeah like it, it was such a such a beautiful shot that you can still see the impact of that in so many movies uh since then um one of the other things that i love because it like you said it was so simple but it gave the movie more weight it it helped keep it 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 helped keep it feeling real because it was using a physical practical effect rather than uh cgi which would have felt dated uh and and super quick aside i think that's one of the reasons that 90s movies do typically get a bad rap is that's when there was a lot more cgi that was better than what it had been and at the time it looked great but like three years mm. later it's like that did not it's, hold up it's so that, dated. yeah there's actually there's there's one moment of cgi in this movie that really sucks uh, i think it's the only scene of the entire movie that uses cgi and it's at the very end when you see Dra- Dracula transition from like the old man Dracula to young Dracula, for some reason, I don't know what it is about nineties movies. There are so many nineties movies where they use CGI to make people's faces transform like that. You know what I mean? Like they yeah. used it in like more, the mortal Kombat movies with Shang Tsung. And, um, I, I trying to think of another one off the top of my, I can't think of another one off the top of my head, but I feel like that's well, something just, that you saw a lot in those nineties movies. Just everything from the nineties. There was, because it was a little bit cheaper and we'll not get too far into this because we'll, I'm sure talk about it in the decades episode, but I do think that that is one of the reasons that most nineties movies are not, um, are, are not looked back on quite as fondly is because if you do go back and rewatch them, they just do not hold up. And, and the, uh, the CGI looks so dated and so bad. And I mean, even the Lord of the Rings films, which, uh, you know, at the time, like, Oh my God, these movies look amazing. And like Gollum looks real rewatching them. Now it's like Gollum looks bad. And um, yeah, just <laughs> just I things think have not held still up. Looks okay, but but it definitely doesn't look nearly as natural as it as it felt at the time. Yeah, and um, and so because of that, <clears throat> or in relation to that, all of the practical effects in Dracula, and for the sake of time, I'm not going to keep saying Bram Stoker's Dracula every time. Yeah, um, that's fine. <laughs> in or not even sake of time, but just sake of I don't want to. Uh, in Dracula, because all of the effects were practical, like the movie does not feel dated. Like, like you said, it does feel timeless. No. And one of the things that I love so much was Dracula's shadow, you know, where like they yes. had someone else doing the shadow work and I, it like, it's, it's it didn't incredible. look like the, the, well, here's the thing. It did not look great. Like watching it, it didn't feel super creepy. It was just kind of like, oh, yeah, there's someone else doing the shadow. Okay. But like it also felt just unnatural enough that it's like, you know what? Someone who's not going to have a reflection, whose image cannot be captured by cameras. Yeah. Like their shadowiness is going to operate differently. And 
again, I, it's I thought it subtle, was really creepy. I actually, loved it. I thought it was super creepy, like how, like just the idea that they all that they kind of have incongruous shadows, where their shadows are acting of their own volition. Like I love the the everything they put into that early scene in Dracula's castle, where everything is just a little bit off. Like you have the rats, the rat that's like uh, walking across the the still kind of still girder or whatever, yeah, going across upside down, or like the liquid dripping up toward the ceiling. Uh, it's so eerie and just everything is so is just a little bit off though like it's not super in your face with like oh don't you see how creepy this is although at the same time it's like something is obviously wrong with this place but Harker seems completely unfazed by so much of it <laughs> which is so funny which is one of the things I love about Keanu Reeves's performance is there's an obliviousness to to his character that is so it's very entertaining because it's hilarious. Um, but also like, I, I don't know, like it, it just kind of adds to it in a certain way. Like it's, it's so much fun. Um, Man, but also at the same time, it's like, he's, I feel like he's deliberately trying to not seem like, it's almost like he's not giving in to Dracula. Dracula is obviously trying to unnerve him and it feels like he's trying his best not to let it get to him or not to put too much attention on, on the weird stuff. Um, I don't know. It's 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 so good. I, I, I don't know. I love this movie, and again, I think that Keanu is an amazing actor who definitely has you know like had a renaissance over the last twenty years or so. But, whew, man, he is not the shining star of this movie. It is. Mm. I yeah. I love it. There's like one of my favorite. One of my favorite things is like. <laughs> There's there you get one overhead shot of them of Dracula walking him through the castle and he has just this enormous cape like it is enormous like it is like the train of a wedding gown but even longer and it's like big and red and it's dragging behind him and like Harker's just walking along and not like he just again just everything about this just seems so normal to him at first like you can tell like every now and then he'll kind of like cut his eyes over like "Mm, that's odd but like it's still not like the way that a normal human being would react in this situation (laughs) oh god it's so great um i guess let's oh there's so many other great special effects like there's one of my favorite things is when he gets on the carriage like um it's it's so it's such a little thing but like where the the carriage driver who is also played by gary oldman uh where he kind of reaches out toward him and the camera pans over to keanu and like his body literally kind of lift like just a little bit lifts up in the air a little bit as if he is floating into the carriage and then like it looks like the arm has extended beyond the reach of where he could actually read i don't know it's it's such a brilliant shot the way that it's done they actually had him on like a little platform that lifted up and it again it just gives you it's subtle but it's just off enough to kind of let you know that everything going on here at this castle is is not right like everything is he is walking into some kind of horrible trap yeah yeah the the effects of this movie are absolutely one of the greatest things about it technically um again because of the fact that they didn't go with cgi and it still feels real and i mean oh god even uh, gary oldman's makeup like in old man dracula it's- it looks great. It's really good. Yeah. Like, it's so good at times that it's like, did did they just, like, get an old man to play him? Or, like, it, it looks, it, it looks it's, great. 
it's mind blowing when you think about like how many modern movies screw this up. Like there are so many movies that you watch nowadays where they put people in old age makeup and it looks terrible. Yeah. Like I cannot, I feel like almost every time I see a movie where they try to age up an actor nowadays, whether they try to touch it up with computer effects or if they're using makeup, like it usually is not convincing at all. That is not the case with this movie. Like his old man makeup is extraordinary. Don't you mean his old man? Um, his old man, old man. <laughs> yes, <laughs> Gary old old man. I uh, I man. like to think that Gary Oldman is just that good of an actor that he wasn't actually wearing makeup. Um, he was just acting the the uh, the face <laughs> acting the wrinkles into his yes. face he uh <laughs> he literally he's 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 definitely uh he's a method actor so he just literally became old exactly. and then got young again later on in the film um Man, while so- we're talking about gary oldman and i know that there's a lot that we can talk about uh and i know that we're also going to be very tempted to just like highlight every tiny little detail of ooh, and then there was this scene and then there was this scene but while we're talking about gary oldman's acting ability he is amazing. I love him. He is such a great actor. Unreal. And yeah, he so so two things. Uh a minor thing and then a, a slightly um larger thing that can also transition into how terrible uh Keanu's accent was. The the scene later on in the movie where uh where Keanu is back in, in London and you know, like he's gone through that trauma and he's all gray haired and old and uh he's with winona and and they're getting into the carriage and off in the distance um and i'm gonna jump back and forth between the actors and the characters names but off in the distance john harker sees dracula and he's like that that's him the the old man himself dialogue fine whatever um but just the way that gary oldman is standing it it feels so unsettling because like he's tilted Mm -hmm. just enough and not standing like a normal person should be standing and and again such a minor thing but how his body language in that scene to me is one of the most unsettling things because if i saw an actual person like that out in public i would be a little concerned for the people around them uh you know vampires don't actually exist or do they wahaha but creepy people being creepy do exist. And in that scene, Gary Oldman was creepy dude being creepy. And I loved it. He and almost the rest like of the movie the should have just th- been him standing there. He kind of reminds me of the Babadook. Yep. <laughs> kind of the way, cause he's got the top hat and everything. Uh, I love the way that like, I love his look overall too. Like the, again, the costume is amazing. Like when he's, the younger version of himself and he's got that top hat but with the sunglasses like he feels like someone who is both he he feels like a person out of time like it's so it has such a modern look but also super classic and it it fits the character beautifully um gary oldman is so good in this movie that i think that's part of the reason why another one of the reasons why keanu's uh performance looks so bad (laughs) because he has to constantly be acting against gary oldman and Winona Ryder and uh, and Anthony Hopkins, who had just you know won an Oscar for Silence of the Lambs <laughs> right before making this movie, and you know like putting him Anthony against those Hopkins guys, it, being it makes like, it a bit more glaring. Anthony Hopkins being like an energetic, angry um, uh, Van Helsing, like I He's, his Van Helsing is phenomenal. I like I, love I don't know how he, I feel about it. What? I think it's I'm, phenomenal. I'm going to get into some of those things when I get to the 
uh, emotional because a lot of that does relate to based on all the other ones that I've been seeing. Uh, but yeah, like right, the overall acting is amazing. And Gary cast, Oldman, I mean, oh, the, the cast overall is great. But let's stay on Gary Oldman for just a moment. Okay, okay, okay. He is so good. And like you were just talking about with like his costuming felt out of time, but it also felt like it was part of that time. And that's one of the things. And this is uh, I'm probably going to come back to this, but this is one of the things about some of the other Dracula movies that I always found a little annoying. You know, like when you would have this very like classic count being in modern London you know, modern for whatever the time might be. And it's just like, mm. that doesn't feel like what someone in that time would actually be dressed like, you know, like people should yeah. be treating him weird just based off the fact that it's like, dude, nobody wears capes anymore. Like it, he's always presented as so, uh, as so just like, how could you not see that he's a vampire in so many other movies? Because like, they're <laughs> trying to maintain that Dracula look about him. And one of the things that I really, really respect about this movie is Coppola did not try to maintain that Dracula look like he. Yeah. uh, Gary Oldman felt like the person who would have been in that setting naturally. So like even with that long, like 30 foot robe cape thing that he had in his own castle. Yeah. If you had like a crazy old recluse living in a decrepit castle, of course, they're going to be doing things like walking around with 30 feet cape. I mean, come on. I I like walking around my house with a bathrobe. <laughs> like, of course, you're going to be right. doing that <laughs> with a giant cape uh, in that setting. But then it's, when it's he's really in London, he's modern. He doesn't have that like cape and like, oh, yes, I am the count. He's just like, nah, I, I got a top hat. No big deal. I, I got blue sunglasses. You ever seen blue sunglasses? Of course not. I'm Dracula. That's why you haven't seen them. Like, he, he yeah. feels <laughs> right in each setting. And, hmm. and I appreciate that so much. And that, I think, is one of the things that makes this movie so great is it is, it is a classic Dracula movie without being... Um, without limiting itself to oh but we have to have dracula look like this and we have to have dracula do this thing stuff yeah yeah it's 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 truly a phenomenal performance and just the way that they depict him is incredible like thinking too about the fact that like he has to play dracula in so many different stages he has to play him as an as an older man he has to play him as like young sexy hot dracula uh and let's let's get real he's the allure is completely understandable like i would be you know cutting my eyes over at that dude if he was staring (laughs) at me on the street even though it's like it's so weird because he's he's like creepy like it's the kind of thing where it's like man uh this is probably not the kind of guy that you want to you know be caught in an alley with you know i i wouldn't want this guy walking up to me and talking to me or whatever he's he's a little weird but at the same time it's like there's something there that is just so enticing like you I, well, it'd be hard to walk away from so, that dude. so some of that aside from just gary oldman being sexy gary oldman some of that is also like the dracula hypnosis things you know like when right, yeah. uh when, when he's a he's werewolf truly hypnotic like the hypnosis comes through the screen into my eyeballs and it's like yeah i get it 
Yeah. And it's <laughs> like, he's, again, he's that good of a method actor where he's actually hypnotizing the audience. He's actually uh, hypnotized. Exactly. So and he, he has to play Dracula. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I, I do not love Dracula being a werewolf because it's kind of dumb. Um, but whatever well, he does it in the original movie too yeah he becomes like, a werewolf and no yeah like that's that's one of the things is even though it's kind of dumb like very very early uh very early on dracula is presented more as like a wolf than he is as a bat and i'm not yeah. entirely sure when when that transition was made to oh well there's vampire bats so let's just turn vampires into people who can transform into bats. I, I don't really know when that mm-hmm. happened. Um, but, but yeah, like in the 1930s, Dracula, you know, you keep hearing about a wolf running around. You don't hear about a bat flying around. And so it fits with, uh, it fits with the history. It's also kind of weird, especially when Gary Oldman is in his, uh, werewolf makeup. Uh, and the werewolf sex scene is, Oh my um, God. It's, <laughs> a so lot more weird. graphic than i remembered <laughs> it really but, is yeah it's cr- but but you also in that time you get him with some of his hypnosis of like don't look at me and look at me now and and so you mm-hmm. get just enough of the like subtle oh yeah i i see what they're doing like that is him actually using his hypnotic powers to control winona Ryder without just straight up controlling her and and again like i i feel like it was done very very mm-hmm. well and also, and you get to see Gary Oldman as a werewolf bonin. Yeah, it's pretty bizarre. Uh, but also, that's one of the, another thing I love about this movie is just how weird it is. Like, I miss the days of like big studio movies being weird. I feel like you rarely ever get that. It's one of the things like when It Chapter Two came out a couple years ago. Like, it's not a great movie, but I appreciate like how weird it is and the fact that it's a big budget R rated horror film. Like it's the, it's the kind of thing you almost never really get anymore. And it, and Dracula is one of those movies. Like it is so weird and so experimental in a lot of ways too. Like I love um, the way that they're kind of playing around with the, uh, the types of camera that they use. Like when Dracula first shows up in London, uh, the first thing that you hear on the street is somebody advertising the cinematograph. And and then you also hear just before that that you know there's this common misconception that vampires can't go out in the daylight but that they're actually just weaker in the daylight and the way that they visualize that is really brilliant because like when he's walking around in his weakened state they shoot it as if it's being shot with like a hand cranked camera that you would find around the time frame that this movie was created like it's hand cranked it's essentially silent. You basically just hear like projection noises. Yeah. Um, and, and it reflects kind of like the fact that he is in a weakened state. And whenever he is in his, whenever he's uh, in his werewolf or bat form or whatever, you get these really cool POV shots that are done in the, uh, the, the nice like plank shot that you get from the evil dead series, uh, which I love, but it's also, it's shot in that way where it feels like there are frames missing and where the lighting is kind of inconsistent, it's really grainy and stuff. And like, I feel like they're using like literally the history of cinema and like different types of camera styles to show you what kind of form he is in and like how, like, you know, whether he is weakened or not. It, it, it's really cool the way that they do that. Um, I don't know. I, I 
just on a technical level, this movie does so many like daring different things that it's it's mesmerizing and and so smart and and even when it, maybe it doesn't always work exactly the way that it's intended to, it's like I completely appreciate how willing they are to just be totally bonkers with this thing. Yeah. Oh man, I I <laughs> love how bonkers they went with some of the creature designs. Uh, again, even though it is kind of silly with them being a giant werewolf person and. The werewolf makeup might not have looked great. Um, yeah, like <laughs> that is one of the scenes that definitely uh, keeps this in the whoa. This movie is odd when you have Dracula as werewolf just straight up banging that girl, and like not not what you typically get with like the sexy seductive Dracula of you know like creeping into the bedroom. Um, I know that's not sexy or seductive. That is stalkery and sexually predatory. Um, but typically with Dracula movies, you get more of that sensuality and the allure and the, you know, the, the women have this yearning for him and, and they present it much more on like, he is this inescapable presence. And mm. I love that in, um, in Dracula in the Bram Stoker's Dracula, that you also get more of that animalistic side where you do yeah. see he is a monster. Like, yeah, sure. You understand yeah. oh, why Winona Ryder is falling in love with him. Kind of, sort of, I guess, whatever. Yeah. Fine. You can call this a romance, but you also see he is a monster. He is and, a monster. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I love Man. that he is in his monster form when he's doing that monstrous thing. But also like later on in the movie, when he like goes back into the shadows and then turns into all those yes. rats and That's, when he's that oh giant God, that bat person and there are so many great monster and creature shots in this mm. movie. And, and part of me wishes that there were more of them, you know, like I, I wish that there had been more yeah. scenes like that, but at the same time, Ah, this movie at times feels like a stage production. You know, it feels yeah. like that. It it feels like a lot of the tricks that um, that they are doing with the practical effects are the same types of tricks that you would do if you were performing this live to try to have some of that creepiness. Yeah, like they feel like they're using actual like mat magicians tricks and stuff. Like like you get the scene with the with his brides coming up out of the bed. Uh, which is really cool and from what i read they actually consulted just like a stage magician to figure out how to get the get those effects to work on film yeah um and and like it works beautifully like it's so awesome and and yeah like you said like the scene where he backs into that closet and you get like the glowing red eyes which is amazing but like that feels like just the trick that you would get on a stage where you put somebody in a coffin and and then you open it up and they're gone but in this case you he backs into the shadows when you shine the light it's like a body made out of rats which is incredible and you get <laughs> I love it oh, so man. much one, one that i forgot to mention too is like that kind of adds into that monster side too is you get one of the most amazing it's so funny and also so creepy and weird it is one of my favorite shots of the movie where uh keanu or John harker is in his uh room whenever dracula has come to kind of shave him <laughs> and he's talking to him and he turns around and you just see like the train of his cape leaving the room <laughs> which is such a funny like comic gag and then as soon as he turns around and looks out his window he sees dracula crawling across the wall on like the side of the of the battlement of the ca- or like just the the tower of the castle wall after he hears the wolves of the children of the night making their beautiful music uh it is so it's weird like, and john and it's harker's like just kind laugh. of like 
all right i guess i guess that's what yeah, it is now he's just like oh okay that's super weird uh, it's so weird and it's like the kind of thing that's really funny but also like it's funny because of just like you would never expect to see something like that and just like how quickly it happens it catches you off guard it's so brilliant and again just goes to show you like how weird he is and how much of a monster he is it's gary gary oldman's basically playing like three different characters again like it's it's amazing how well he pulls off all of these things and how well he pulls off so many lines that on the page feel really ridiculous uh like there's like even the line where he's like i've crossed oceans of time to be with you like that that it's it's such a melodramatic line and and this is a movie that is essentially kind of (laughs) a melodrama this is a melodrama it, it is really a melodrama. It's a, it's a gothic romance, a melodrama, and it's the kind of line that would be so easy to screw up and just make it seem cheesy. But when he says it, you believe it. Like, this is a man who has been waiting 400 years to be with this woman. Like, you really feel that in your bones when he says that. It's, it's amazing how well he pulls it off. Yeah. Um, man, one of the other things that I love about this movie is, and I, I guess this is technically still on the technical side, um, how many nods to earlier versions of Dracula are there, but mm. without it feeling like a, hey, huh? see what we did? Huh? Yeah, you remember, you remember that? Like, it doesn't yeah. feel like fan service. Um, you know, like the one scene where old man Dracula, like, lifts up from the coffin, you know, like that they is the Nosferatu thing. Yeah. Like that is straight out of Nosferatu, except they, they put their own spin on it. And so like he raises up a little bit faster. It feels like it fits with this movie. It doesn't just feel like it's a, Hey, if you've seen Nosferatu, you'll recognize this scene. Um, or even the, the scene that you were talking about earlier where Harker is in his room shaving and, uh, and then Dracula just shows up in the doorway again, straight out of Nosferatu. Yes, fine. Mm-hmm. Also, out of the '30s, Dracula. But when uh, when I saw this, I didn't think of that one. I thought of Nosferatu because it's a better film. Um, <laughs> yeah. And and there are just so what? many other little bits and pieces that that again, this it, it does in a way the. <clears throat> uh, it, it does in a way that it almost like circumvents your expectations because, um, and this may just be because it's a bit more faithful to the novel. But, like, the climax of Nosferatu is the scene where they're in um, Mina's bedroom, basically. And you get that same exact scene in a room that looks almost exactly the same as the room in Nosferatu, where you have, like, the window kind of in the middle of the of the room there. And it's, it's shot in the same way. And it's, like, basically whenever he goes to Mina's room and bites her... Uh, and then they're like, she's like sucking his blood too or whatever. And then they come in and fight him and they have that confrontation. Uh, like I expected them that to be the end of the movie. Um, but instead he escapes and then you have to, is, isn't that is the end of Nosferatu, right? Um, yeah. Nosferatu, he dies when the sun comes up and he just kind of yeah, the sun explodes comes up, in a poof right. The sun in, comes up and shines through that window. Yeah. yeah. So I expected that to be the end of the movie. And then you get like a whole other like that's really just the beginning of the third act or, or, or like leads into the third act of the film where they go back to Transylvania. Um, so yeah, I don't know. It's almost like I, and I don't know, again, it could just be because it's more faithful to the novel, but because of the way that it was making those callbacks to the earlier versions of the movie, it, it changed my expectations or like it, it, circumvented my expectations. Yeah. This film feels like a love letter to classic cinema and to to dracula and to practical effects like it it is a great movie on its own 
and um and, and obviously <laughs> all the things that we've been saying about it lots to talk about but it almost feels like it exists I, okay I, I don't really mean this the way that i'm going to say it but it's the only possible way that i can think of to try to explain it to start the conversation it feels like a graduate thesis student film of like this is what cinema is and so like you know presenting here all of these techniques brought together in one here's all of um you know here's this classic story that's retold but while also keeping it uh traditional and and i don't mean like a student film in terms of uh, the quality but in terms of someone who has spent the last you know four plus years studying to give like one final piece of like, this is the culmination of everything that they've done. That's what this movie feels like. It doesn't feel like Coppola's greatest film, but it does feel like, again, just a love letter to cinema. Um, I mean, so we, we mentioned earlier, uh, you know, let, let me just get this out of the way super quick. And then we can go back talking about some of the other good things. Keanu Reeves's accent okay. sucks. Winona Ryder's accent <laughs> sucks. They are terrible. Like they're great I don't actors. Think she's that bad. I, oh god, it's terrible, dude. She, her accent isn't no, as bad. I don't think. I didn't really. No, man, I didn't, like I hers, was reading some criticism that said that hers was terrible, but I, it didn't really. I didn't really notice it in when I was watching the movie. It's just, maybe it's because I was so focused on Keanu. How <laughs> <laughs> bad Keanu's was. Like ah. Uh, I, I understand why both of those uh, actors were chosen. Like I understand why Winona Ryder and Keanu Reeves were in this movie. Them as like, I feel like they portray the characters. Well, I feel like they acted it well. And, and I don't think that they were the wrong decisions, but it's just, there's so many other great actors and so many other actors that don't have accents or actors mm-hmm. whose accents don't matter. That when you get to Keanu Reeves trying to be British, it it just feels so miserably. And Winona, I, uh, it doesn't feel right. Like it feels, I I don't know. I I do not like either of their accents. Um, <laughs> they're just so bad. I, that's interesting. I like I get I get the Keanu. Um, <laughs> I get the Keanu criticism again, and I and when we get to the emotional, I have I have a very I have a not a theory, but just something about it that that makes that work for me pretty well. But um, Winona, oh, I, think I, she's I really have a theory good. that like, totally makes it work. That is uh, absolutely going to be part of us not taking things <laughs> seriously. Um, I, I feel like we might be sort of on the same track there. <laughs> Mine might be a little are. bit might might be taken a little bit more seriously than yours, but but yeah, I think we're I think we're on the same track. Um, <clears throat> I, I don't know. I think Winona is so good. Like she, she, there's something about her where she simultaneously feel. I mean, I, I think the the thing about this movie over, overall, where everything kind of feels very modern, but also very classical, and Winona Ryder fits that really well, and she has this kind of like, I mean, she's got like the, the big doe eyes and like this kind of innocence to her that, that works really well for that character and, and kind of goes to show you like how far that she comes in this film by the end of it. And, um, again, I, don't know, I, think I she, have nothing against their portrayals. Really, I think that they are mm, fine as actors. The it's the accents. And here, here's why Winona doesn't work for me. 
Well, let me start with why Keanu. Keanu doesn't work for me because it's just bad. Like, <laughs> just just bad. Uh, and, and again, nothing against the rest of his acting, but like this yeah. he he doesn't this, he thinks this is a bad performance as well like he said that he was he had just come off the he had just been doing so many projects at the time that he did this movie that he felt like he had nothing left to give and maybe i mean it's probably true that he just isn't very capable when it comes to accents but his accent um, is so bad that when he saw the absinthe dripping up i half expected him to go whoa like whoa yeah. it's just <laughs> It's bad. He is not a bad actor. He was not even bad in this movie. The accent was atrocious. Here's yeah. the thing about Winona and why it didn't work for me. There were so many other great performances that felt mm-hmm. natural. Uh, even though it's a, a relatively minor role, uh, Richard Grant, who played Doctor uh, oh, Doctor Seward, so Doctor Seward, I yeah. love him. He is, I feel he's like, fantastic. such an underrated actor. He's been in a ton of things, but he man, finally won an Oscar a couple of years ago. Think he he's so good. Yeah, he's like one of the greatest character actors ever, and does he, not uh, does not get he, his due. He is so. Good, I love him so much. He, he's always that guy that when I see him in a movie, it's like, ooh, it's that guy. And then yeah. like I have to think back about like what movie it is that I always think of him from. Um, it, it it was one I can't remember the name of it right now, but like he was an author and like he quits his job to be an author and he's having troubles with his wife. But then they move off to the country and whatever. It's a sappy uh, British romance story, but I still love it. Um, I don't know if I've seen that. Whatever it is, I'll I'll find it and send it to you later. Um, but, but yeah, there's so many great actors in whether they are our major parts oh, or just Nail and my, I? is that what you're talking about? No, it's no, not no, with no, Neil and I. Kidding. I'll find just it kidding. later. Stop. Stop. I am DB. Sorry. Sorry. Go uh, ahead. And like you have British actors being British people and you have people like the incredible Tom Waits being Tom Waits. Oh, my Holy God. shit. He, he is, is one of the um, best Renfields. I love him. And what he's a not perfect casting decision for Renfield. And he's not trying to do an accent. He's just being Tom Waits. And <laughs> even though Anthony Hopkins as Van Helsing, eh, maybe the accent doesn't completely land. Whatever. His accent's weird. He like goes in and out of it. Like he sometimes is doing like a German accent and sometimes he's just being Anthony Hopkins, which is weird. Right. But either way, like it, it feels like it fits. He just makes it work. Like every single word that comes out of Anthony Hopkins mouth just feels like he like he opened the movie is narrated by him towards the beginning of it and i was just sitting there like i could just listen to him narrating this movie yeah like i, I would listen would, to that when we get the to the analysis time. we can talk about uh his role very very early on in the film and whether or not that's a thing but anyways that is weird but so yeah. many actors did such a great job because either they just naturally are the voices that they were trying to do or or they're Gary Oldman and it just works. Winona Ryder <laughs> felt yeah, like Winona's character, or I, I guess I should say Winona's, Winona's accent, not her performance. Again, I think overall she did great, but her accent felt like it should have been from a movie where everyone is pretending to be British. Like she did not 
feel like she had a genuine accent. And because of the other accents and performances uh, in, in this movie, to me, it stood out like it felt like she was in the wrong movie. It felt like she should have been in a sense and sensibility with Brad Pitt being uh, Mr. Darcy. Like it, it felt like she should have been American. Like, does that make sense? Like, does that make sense? I mean, why kind of, her accent doesn't work for me in this movie? Kind of. Although, like, I feel like that is kind of what this movie is. Like, the second act of act of this movie in the middle is just like a classic, a classic romance. Almost, it feels like the way that but, Dracula comes in and kind of sweeps her off her feet, and her husband is off, and they but have again, this kind of it's emotional like her, affair. Her performance and, is more like what I expect from an NBC version of American actors doing a British play rather mm. than watching something on BBC and yeah. like her it just it felt off you know like if if Harker and Mina had been Americans like if there had just been that tweak of the story you know like they were Americans and moved to England I would have had no problem mm. with it because the accents wouldn't have mattered they wouldn't have stood out it would have been fine Again, you know, Billy Campbell, like his super Texan accent, you know, people from Texas might not <laughs> might not appreciate the accent. But to me, it was just like, mm-hmm. yeah, fine. He's being super Texan. It's fine. You know, like he, he is being that's... a stereotype carrying around his giant Bowie knife. It's fine. Yeah, that's true. I think that's just, part of the reason why, for me, it doesn't bug me that much because this is a movie that's juggling so many different tones, and it's doing it deliberately. Like there are parts of this movie that are really campy, and 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 it works. Like I think that it's deliberately trying to be a bit campy. Like a lot of the stuff with Gary Oldman and 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 Keanu Reeves at the beginning is deliberately very over the top and silly. Like you, it, Dracula even has a line where it's like. Uh, oh shit! I can't even remember what it is off the top of my head. What was I said it to you before we even started podcasting uh, about him tasting? I'm sure. Oh, oh yeah, like, you, sure you have you impeccable have, uh, taste. They they say you are a man of good taste, and it's like, oh my god, that is so ridiculous and hilarious. But he pulled, but it's pulled off so well because it's Gary Oldman. Um, but yeah, like there are some characters that are like big over the top. I mean, Dracula simultaneously is very grounded and very over the top at times and and yeah it's a movie that like really is trying to be very austere but also like really like body and has a lot of this like really raunchy kind of humor like i love the the stuff between lucy and mina uh, at the beginning where they find the Arabian Nights book and they're like looking at 19th century porn essentially which is really <laughs> funny and they're like kind of giggling about it and goofing around like they so have such a I don't remember the Kama Sutra being forth. a part of the Arabian Nights <laughs> stories like that <laughs> those oh, two books are some, mixed there's up there's some dirty stuff in there that, well, um, yeah and, and again but, we've already talked about yeah, like that's Monster so Dracula like it's such a I, d- I just banging Sadie yeah, Frost in and, the, uh, and in the Dracula's garden, brides the, yeah, rising up and giving John Harker a vampire blowjob and like yeah and this- then and then right after that Dracula getting mad at them and they're like we're sorry daddy it's a, or not you know whatever we're sorry daddy drag I'm, we're so sorry here here here's a newborn or no he gives them a newborn right it's so <laughs> yeah he's he's like there's so many, there's so whatever stay away like- from him he's mine here eat this baby instead it's, yeah, it's like it's one of those things where you watch it. It's like 
you when we say it out loud it sounds absolutely horrifying and it is but at the same time it's so over the top and ridiculous that like it it makes but it's but it still makes perfect sense in the, within the context of the movie it I, man i don't, I don't know, know. That's that, that scene is super weird and it feels just just strange but i mean you also get the yeah. dracula's brides and other movies you know I, so it also I like again fits used. in with the history it's yeah, when a writer's accent just it it doesn't work for me. It well, it it's, it stands out because it doesn't fit. Keanu Reeves' accent, accent really stands out because me. it's just bad. Hers stands out. <laughs> it's it, it's she's in the wrong movie. Like like I kept watching it, uh, well, thinking it, obviously this wouldn't have been uh, the right time. <clears throat> but I kept watching it, thinking shouldn't Kira Knightley be in this role instead so that like they could just like have a normal British accent. And uh, again, I, I recognize the fact that that's not <laughs> the right decade. So she wouldn't have been in it. Her accent just felt off is all I'm saying. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I can see that for sure. I guess it, it didn't really, I, it didn't really stand out to me even though I heard that criticism, but um well, the other thing, too, to consider is that this movie would not exist without Winona Ryder because she's the one who actually brought the script to Coppola to and kind of convinced him to do it. And uh, I don't know. I think she's like what I like about what she brings to the role is she seems to really get the movie that she's in or at least the portion of the movie that she's in. Like, you know, she talked about when she read the script, what she liked about it was that like this movie is tackling an era of time where women you know, are in corsets and they're supposed to be all buttoned up. And, you know, they're, they're very repressed, especially sexually. And, um, you know, she talks about what what's great about this movie, both with the relationship between her and Dracula and the relationship between her character and Sadie Frost's character of Lucy, is that, like, they're kind of like just these giggling schoolgirls who are thinking about sex a lot because they're at that age. And, you know, like there's a, there's a funny line. She's almost 20. She's practically an old maid. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, exactly. She's almost 20 and she hasn't had a single marriage proposal. And then, uh, like just the stuff where she's like, she has the three suitors there with, uh, Billy Campbell, Carrie Elwes and, uh, Richard E. Grant. Uh, and the way that they play that up and the way that she's like constantly kind of toying with all the men Lucy does and how she and I mean, it's obviously not a movie that necessarily passes the Bechdel test, but <laughs> at the same time, like they have this relationship with each other that feels kind of genuine for for characters of that age like, in the I mean that again, dude, that you I'm not normally saying see in this anything about her portrayal. Line. I'm not saying anything okay, about her portrayal. Yeah. I think overall she was great. She did. I, I again, I think a great job. It's it's the accent. And so here That's here okay. might be uh, a I, that way. That wasn't necessarily a criticism of what you were saying. That was just me going on about how much I actually I, I love all oh, the no, characters it's, it's, and it's acting. It's a great movie. movie. <laughs> uh, I did think of a a better way to <laughs> explain things. Maybe. And then we can move on from this because we've spent a lot of time talking about her accent. So Winona Ryder in Little Women, her accent did not bother me. It was, you know, a little New Englandy, and so like there was that little bit of like old timey um Victorian era uh sound to um to her words and to her dialect. But like it made sense because she was in New England. And so it mm-hmm. it felt more yeah, of like the carryover from there are still a lot of British people, but now they're in uh, America, blah blah blah. Like that accent there makes sense. 
Also, she wasn't doing an accent as much. There might have been, uh, you know, a little bit, but not so much. Uh, And if Winona Ryder in Dracula had been the Winona Ryder in Little Women, it would have been fine. Like there, I wouldn't have felt like she was putting on too strong of a British accent. Like if Mm -hmm. does that make sense? If the uh, portrayal of Winona in Dracula if that portrayal had been the portrayal in little women, I don't feel like it would have been an overdone British accent, but because everyone else there actually was British and she was supposed to be British. It just felt not quite genuine enough, mm-hmm. but enough about okay. that. That's I understand that. Um, I have two other mentions. Okay. On the acting side. Okay, cause because I, we I, have, I have a lot of emotional that I want us to talk about that I've I know, I know. really I just, been. I'm going to do this really quick. <laughs> Carrie Elwes is amazing. He's an amazing actor. Oh, yes, of course, always. Um, I think he's kind of a secret. He's he's almost like a secret MVP in this movie because he's doing so much heavy lifting that it doesn't seem obvious on the surface. There's this the there's one of my favorite scenes in the movie or one of my favorite bits of acting is so subtle but so brilliant, and it's when um, Lucy has been bitten. And she's kind of like laying there writhing on the... It's right after she was bitten by Dracula. And um, she's kind of writhing on the floor and sick. And then Arthur, who's played by Carrie Elwes, comes in. And um, he doesn't really believe that she's that sick. And, uh, you know, he's kind of like a rich asshole kind of character. Right. And he's the one that she actually has chosen to be her husband that she wants to marry or whatever. I guess they're engaged at this point in the film. Um, And he comes in and... uh, he comes in and sorry, I thought I heard something. Uh, <laughs> he comes in and whenever she's like kind of writhing there and like sick and she's making these kind of monstrous noises at the same time, like he comes in and he's smiling because he thinks that it's all just a joke and she's fine. He's smiling and like his face just like kind of slowly melts into concern, like pompous assholeness into concern and just like. In that scene, in that one shot, like it's just such a brilliant bit of acting that kind of sells just how like serious the situation has gotten with yeah, this character. Like w- when and he goes he, from uh, like oh because she wouldn't marry you, you think that she needs to be committed to the that's what it spare is. Yeah, no yeah, expense. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, spare no. Ex- yeah, and then he goes to spare no expense. That's exactly what happens. Uh, I love just and it's in one shot too, and it's just so brilliant the way that he plays that off. And then he kind of ends up becoming a bit of uh, the the big action hero by the end of it. And like, he's really like, and also to the scene where he has to put the stake through her heart. Like you are <laughs> gutted. Like the way that he reacts to that, he, you're kind of gutted by it. Like it's so, it's really kind of genuinely heartbreaking when he has to finally kill her uh, yep. in her little snow white coffin, glass coffin there. It's, it's really sad and it's, it's so good. He's so good. So, um, and then of course, Go ahead. I I have two more things uh, on the technical, but they are very, very minor things. And then I want us to dive into the emotional. I just wanted to move on to Anthony Hopkins very briefly again, because he's so good. But one of the things that I love about him is how um, he feels like, I mean, he's Anthony Hopkins. So he has this kind of like, he has this kind of austere reputation to him. You know, he's like a, he's like a Shakespearean actor kind of thing. So he immediately, you know, he's impeccably dressed. He, when he walks into the room, it's like, Oh, this is a real gentleman. 
But I love the fact that because he is a scientist, he's so blunt with everyone and he has just like this complete lack of decorum. And like every single time he speaks, he is like everyone is shocked by the things that he's saying because he's like, he'll just bluntly talk about venereal diseases and things. And it's so funny. And he plays it off so well. And I also love his laugh. (laughs) His big ha ha type of laugh. Yeah. Yeah, like whenever he finally figures out one of my another one of my favorite scenes in the movie is when he finally figures out that Dracula is the one causing the illness with Lucy. He's like, yes, and he's like dancing around, and he at one point he like walks up to uh, Billy Campbell and starts thrusting against him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like he's dancing and, around. And he's like, let's go. It's time to get us get a dinner, a nice steak dinner. And, it's so funny and so. And great. I'm I'm gonna get into that in just a second when we hit the emotional, um, because I. I don't know how I feel about that presentation of Van Helsing, but whatever. Um, yeah, so building off of that, I just have two very, very minor things uh, in, in the technical, and then we can start talking more of the uh, emotional slash analysis side. Um, so there are two little bits of humor that I think are hilarious, but again, because of the acting quality and because of how everything is played so real and people are taking things so seriously. And again, Gary Oldman is being just weird as all hell throughout this movie, but he is taking it seriously. (laughs) And that is why this movie works. But there are two little bits of comedy. One of them building off of uh, Anthony Hopkins is the one where uh, he says something to um, to Dr. Seward about like getting the autopsy knives or getting the surgical knives. And he says, uh, <laughs> Dr. Seward's like, you want to do an autopsy? And he, uh, Anthony Hopkins is just like, no, no, I just want to cut off her head and take out her heart. <laughs> it's just so, again, because yeah. of that matter of fact <laughs> so bluntness. It's, I don't know if it's supposed to be funny, but it, it makes me laugh. Uh, and then the other one, is, it's, funny. Um, it's funny he's like a he's he his whole subplot is like the exorcist almost too it's so like it, i don't it, like all the stuff with him and lucy feels very exorcisty well know, sorry it, again also dracula oh. and van helsingy anywho <laughs> uh the other one <clears throat> also relating to anthony hopkins but not directly <clears throat> excuse me is when they are going to Dracula's castle and he says something to uh, Billy Campbell about how his gun isn't going to do any good. And he suggests taking out his big Bowie knife to which Billy Campbell says, I wasn't planning on getting that close to him again. Like, yeah, that that's a thing that I could <laughs> yeah. see a person saying, like I wasn't planning on getting close enough to a vampire to be able to stab him with my Bowie knife, but still right. Just that just enough comedy to uh to kind of keep things grounded and to give you a range of emotions in this movie rather than just relying on shock or just relying on emotion um oh you know what one more thing uh before we dive into into the emotional okay i think that one of this one of the things that this movie does incredibly well and why it feels so classic but it also still holds up currently is it, it takes a lot of different vampire mythos and brings them all together. Not necessarily in terms of like, you know, what creates a vampire or where they get their powers, but more of how does a vampire actually deal with immortality? So like you get yeah. some of the uh, Dracula has become a monster because he has done monstrous things, 
but you also get the he is um like he's still human you know he started out human and so he still has some of these emotions that are driving him yes they've become a lot more animalistic over the centuries but there are still those things about vampires that separate them from um other undead like zombies that are completely emotionless and lifeless but then you also get some of the like eternity is miserable <clears throat> side of things uh, with the, I don't want when he has that hesitation of actually turning uh, one in a rider into a vampire, because he's like, no, I, mm-hmm. I don't want this for you. Like, yes, yeah. I, I want you, but I don't want you to have this misery. And so I just, I really appreciate the fact. And again, I think that that's one of the reasons that this movie still holds up is because you get monster vampire and sexy vampire and, and lovelorn vampire and uh yeah. eternity is miserable vampire and you just get all of those different performances and and again like i feel like they all blend together well it doesn't feel like the movie is all over the place it's a couple uh, of spaces yeah, maybe where it feels <clears throat> like it jumps too quickly um some of the but, plot stuff i can see <clears throat> it, it gets a little like like one of the things about the plot it's focused so much on the characters in Dracula that there are certain things that they leave dangling. Like they never really explain why they're moving all of the coffins to London and all those different places on the map that they talk about. Like they, they set that up, but then they don't do anything with it. Man, which that's is a thing fine. that I mean, is you never explained. Like at every version of Dracula that I've seen that that's just not a thing that they talk about. Is um, it really? Okay. Well, well, and I mean, the main thing, I guess, is just that Dracula has to, he has, the only way he can recharge, he has to sleep in the earth from his homeland or something like that. Yeah. I think yeah. Like that's kind of that's the mythology why, behind it. That's why, uh, like the coffins and the boxes of dirt are going. It's so that he can sleep in his native soil. But in terms yeah, of like, exactly. why is he going? It's never really explained. Um, and unless you have anything else i'm going to use this to bridge into the emotional because i don't know what the horror of this movie is and like that's one of the things about especially early vampire films is you know the the reason that early vampire films were so scary to audiences at the time was because of the the thing that they represented like we've talked about on countless episodes what makes a scary movie scary isn't the monster it's what the monster represents well dracula and vampires uh you know historically have not only represented disease but also just like the other you know the foreigner the right. uh especially like in is especially in the 30s and 40s when there <clears throat> excuse me was all of this fear of like oh no what 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 if we let these people in are they going to completely destroy our society and blah 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 so like they made more sense in the time and i think that that's one of the reasons why um i think that's one of the reasons why vampire movies haven't always aged as well is because like what fear are they supposed to represent you know as as boring as zombie movies get zombies because they are so bland are much easier to be a blank slate of oh well they represent commercialism or they represent mm. uh, communism or they represent you know whatever the mindless person following the masses at the time is supposed to be but with a vampire <clears throat> there's more of just like ah what huh 
what is this fear supposed to be? And, and in the nineties, I don't know. I don't know what the fear of Dracula would have represented. And I think that that's maybe part of why it being such a classic movie is why it holds up is because it feels Mm. like watching a classic movie rather than this is the fear of the nineties. Right. The only thing I can think of off the top of my head with it being 1992 would probably be the AIDS epidemic. Um, I don't know if this movie is really trying to comment on that in any way. Um, but I'm just thinking in terms of like blood. What the other thing too, like the ultimately kind of like the, the inciting incident of, and, and I was I was a year old when this movie came out, so I mean I don't really have the kind of cultural context to know like what was going on at the time that people might have been afraid of. Um, the the thing that I've that I kind of latched onto that I think is very interesting about this movie is that so much of it is about religious conviction to a certain extent like the the movie begins the inciting incident of the film and the reason why dracula kind of renounce he he renounces the church like he's fighting in the crusades against the turks and he delivers this great victory and then but it turns out that by the time he gets home his his uh his bride has been has killed herself because she thought he was dead it's a very kind of romeo and juliet almost uh, which I believe is an invention for the film. I don't think that actually happens in the book because the the movie is very much trying to be a, more of a romance than than really m- almost any previous version of of Dracula. I know that he's been he is a romantic character, but this movie leans in on that a little bit more. I think I haven't seen the Hammer film, so I don't know about it, those. But well, let let me just really quickly say it does at least make more sense than the origin story of Dracula in Dracula two thousand. That origin story, <laughs> it, God, it's dumb. It's I there. I really there, there like, are some good things about Dracula okay. two thousand, but mm, when it gets to the origin is story, that the one where Gerard Butler is it Gerard Butler that's Dracula? Uh, I think he's so. In it maybe I don't know. Yeah, that's so funny. He's, he's in it um, somewhere. Definitely a step, you know, <clears throat> a lateral move from Gary Oldman to Gerard Butler for sure, right? Yeah, <laughs> in terms of acting ability. <laughs> uh, anywho, it, it also has vitamin C in the movie. Do, vitamin do you remember her? C. Yeah, she was like a British oh, pop oh. star from the early. Oh yeah, yeah, vaguely. That's that's interesting. Yeah, I vaguely remember that. Um, but yeah, so I, that's one thing that I find very interesting about this is um, he is so devastated because he's just delivered this great victory and then his he, he feels like he is being punished by God because Anthony Hopkins' other character that he plays is like some weird shaman kind of person or religious figure. I don't know what the hell he is. Some kind of religious like, figure. I like guess. a cardinal? He's like, oh, I guess. I don't know. Um He's like, oh, she's taking her own life, so that means she's going, she's damned to hell. And he's like, well, uh, fuck that. I'm renouncing <laughs> my faith. Like, how dare you do this to me after all that I've done for you? And I, I find that angle really interesting. I wish, like, I, I like that, but I don't know if they play it up as much as they could have it later on in the film. But that's something that I think is really scary is this idea. It's like, oh yeah, he's done this. And then that whole opening scene is so amazing. And it's, it's, I love how they don't really explain what's happening. Like he, he, he renounces God. 
he stabs his sword into the crucifix that starts bleeding everywhere. Like blood just starts gushing out everywhere. And then that's how they explain how he's immortal. Like they don't really go into it any more than that. Like he starts doing like these guttural incantations or something, I think is what was happening. Um, It's so beautiful and amazing. And like, you don't need any more explanation than that. Um, You you don't need more explanation, but you bring up a really good point of it doesn't really go anywhere. You know, like the, the entirety of that opening scene is just to explain why he wants Winona Ryder just because she looks like uh, his bride from eons ago. That's it. Like any of the like mm. renouncing faith and like they could have gone a lot further with that. And mm. with trying to remain faithful to the original story, like I get why they didn't because then you would have to change too many other things. Yeah. But it's also like, well, then why even include it? You know, like, like to me, you, I mean, I like aside it. From I, some think of the, I think it's, well, aside from some of the, uh, of how great some of those early scenes look, you don't need it. You know, like you don't need to see it. it you don't need to see that opening scene because later on when Gary Oldman is talking to Winona, he explains some of it to her. And so, yeah, that's true. And like, but, but well, I think it works because I mean, for one thing, it, it kind of re- puts it into a historical context. I mean, you know, Dracula, I believe is based on, uh, Vlad, the Impaler. based on an actual historical figure, Vlad, the Impaler. Yeah. And so it, it, it works to give it that historical context. Plus like, there is some sort of kind of spiritual aspect to their romance where the the movie implies that she is actually a reincarnated version of his past lover because like when he's and that that's the thing that's so fascinating about this movie is the romance between these two characters is it a genuine romance are her feelings for her for him genuine or is he hypnotizing her you know that's kind of like the the crux about it and it, I don't know. It's it's so interesting because it's like he could potentially just be putting these ideas in her head where she's like, oh, I, I recognize this place. I see. I, I, I recognize these. Th- like when you tell me about this, I, I, I know this. I know what you're talking about. And, you know, so it's kind of like, is she actually reincarnated? If so, why? Is this like a test of faith of some sort? Like, or is this designed to, is this like, not even, maybe not even test of faith, but is this a fateful meeting where Dracula is finally being led to his damnation to a certain well, extent. Like being immortal and, is, is his damnation, but at the same time, what happens to someone who has renounced God after they die? Right. Um, you know, like if you have made yourself an enemy of God, what happens to you in death? Well, and like, because of all of that, and, and again, like we just spent, who knows, an hour <laughs> talking about all the great things about this movie. I do still think it's a great movie. But when starting to like dive into it and and really kind of peel back some of those layers of, is that really necessary, you know, or or is it as good as what it could have been? And again, obviously we are just two small town dudes from Tennessee, you know, just ranting and raving about movies that we watch. We are not Francis Ford Coppola creating these movies, so <laughs> there is no sense of like, oh well, we could have done it better. Period. New sentence because of that scene later on where Gary Oldman and Winona are talking about his past wife and you know, like it's revealing some of that. Did you really need to see it? Like, yeah, some of those scenes looked cool, but was it necessary? I don't know. 
And if it was necessary, I, it well, here, here's I the thing, though. It, if it was necessary, then I think that it should have been played up more. So if the no, you need to see him renounce God because that is such an important thing then I feel like there should have been more of that like test of faith Mm -hmm. and religious side of things of like each person in the movie. Like that would have been a great overarching theme Mm -hmm. of every person in this movie is having to go through some sort of test of faith Mm -hmm. and how are they going to come out on the other end? Are they going to come out on the side of Dracula or are they going to come out on the side of being faithful? Like, and, and mm. you get maybe a little bit of that kind of here and that there. To a extent, yeah. Especially I, with... Um, well, I think that you only Mina's get character. that because of the nature of, oh, this person is turning into a, a vampire. Like, there's not a true sense of well, this no, person like, is... Because you get a test of faith. Like, and, and you can think of it as a test of faith, not necessarily religious or of a faith to another person. Like, you can think of test of faith in terms of the relationship between Harker and Mina. You know, like he is trapped in, yeah, in no, Dracula's I, castle and being tortured. I get some of that, but again, I feel like that's a little bit too easy. You know, and I, I don't think that this could have been done easily with uh, with all of mm-hmm. the characters. But um, like with with Doctor Seward, with Richard Grant, if there had been a little bit more of him questioning science because of the supernatural and like yeah yeah it's there but there's also just kind of an acceptance of okay this is what we need to do you know like mm-hmm. and, and again he was a minor character it's not something that they could have focused on but that could have been i think a really solid theme to make this movie beyond just a oh yeah it's technically an yeah. incredibly proficient uh dracula movie with tons of great practical effects and great performances it could have turned it into it could yeah. have turned it into when you watch this movie, you are going to feel questions. You are going to feel unsure about things. It could I have been though, that with that start. It could have been that. And I, I do like that idea. And I would say that probably is something you get to a little bit in the novel, I would say, since every basically each chapter is just switching from different characters' perspectives as they're writing in journals. But what I think ultimately the the opening serves, like the more that I've been thinking about it now, I, I should also probably mention that I was so like wrapped. This is one of those movies that's that's so brilliant technically that I feel like I had the op. It had the opposite effect that most movies have, where it's like normally you watch a movie and you get wrapped up in the story, and then you on a rewatch you kind of notice the technical details later. Where for me it was like I was so like blown away by some of the things that they achieved just with the look of this film and the production design and everything that like, I almost forgot to pay attention to some of the story elements that were going on <laughs> at the same time. Sure. It, it was almost more of an emotional experience to me. And what I think is works so well about the opening scene is whether or not it gets into the religious stuff doesn't really matter as much because this is a romance and ultimately Dracula loves this woman so much. Elisabetta, as she's known in, at the beginning of the film, uh, he loves her so much that he is willing to turn his back on God for her. And like you feel every bit of the agony that he feels over her death in the beginning. Like it is a true, like that's the other thing too about a lot of these movies, uh, a lot of the movies where the monsters or whatever fall in love with a woman is that it doesn't, you don't really feel that kind of the, the actual connection that they have, like how much this person loves her. Like you get the sense that even though Dracula is very possessive and may potentially be hypnotizing her 
I don't think that he is because I think that he like he genuinely loves this woman and genuinely wants her to love him back. And I think that he is a smart enough think person it's love. that I think it's possession and obsession. Hypnotizing her, then that's not really love. I I mean that I could be because he is like, you know, a rich well, guy and he's entitled and he's he's a conqueror. He is Vlad the Impaler is an is a conqueror. So yeah. it could be a oh, my love is back and I'm going to get her no matter what, even if I have to. But at the same time, like like you get, like their their relationship is so, he's so tender with her most of the time. <laughs> you, when they first meet, he's kind of like trying to convince her to hang out with him or whatever. And he's like, he grabs her arm at one point. And every time I see a man grab a woman's arm in a movie, that's like an immediate red flag. Like, oh shit, nope, this is not, this is not a good relationship. Well, this is so- not going to be good. So whenever that, a woman's trying to walk away, essentially that kind of leads into the next thing of like, man, ah, this could have been. And, and again, please you and anyone who else was listening, do not misinterpret what I'm interpret what I'm saying. I'm not saying that this movie is faulty because of these things. I'm not saying that this yeah. is a bad movie. I'm not saying that this is what the movie should have been. Again, we spent a, a hefty chunk of this episode talking about why this movie is so amazing and i do love this movie the fact that i can't turn my brain off when i'm watching some of these things and again a lot of this is also in relation to other movies that i've seen so for example uh with Mm. the oh he she really is elizabetta uh reincarnated it's like yeah and you do get some of that in the earlier dracula movies as well but you also get that in the mummy with Boris Karloff. Like that is the entire plot of, of, uh, right, yeah. of the mummy is, uh, when, when Imhotep was, uh, was back in ancient Egypt, his wife died or his fiance died or was murdered or whatever. And so like he broke some ancient sacred scroll to be able to try to bring punishment upon those who had killed her. Like, it basically is the opening scene of of dracula and so mm-hmm. like again i i appreciate the fact that um that bram stoker's dracula does feel like it is pulling from more than just dracula references that it is really uh, um again a love letter to universal monsters but it's also like ah, in the mummy it felt different because the entire movie did feel like just that uh, that back and forth of her being drawn to him and and that power that he had over her because it was just pure power like he was trying to get what he wanted again and so with dracula it doesn't feel like a sweet genuine oh maybe he really does love her it's like no this is all about power this is all about control it's all about getting what he wants which which is why the scene where he's like oh no i don't want to do this to you honestly to Uh, me it fell a little flat like to me that did not feel like the dracula that i had been watching for the rest of the movie it's really interesting because that uh, well, it, 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 I don't know. Like, I, I feel so. Th- this is the the thing. One of the other things I love so much about this movie is I feel so torn about the romance because I do think it is a bad. It's a toxic relationship. I do think that he is holding some kind of power over her. The more I think about it, the more I think maybe he's not hypnotizing her, but he very well could be. Um, he could be convincing her of how much she loves him. 
Um, but I also think that like, again, because it's Gary Oldman and he's super hot. Uh, there's something so alluring about him. Like he feels like, you know, you get this sense with, with Mina's character that she is looking for something kind of dangerous. Like she, again, she is a woman who has so been so repressed her entire life. And then her, you know, fiance is gone and isn't coming back. It seems. And, and, you know, she finds this man who's dangerous and sexy or whatever. And, and like, you understand the appeal there and maybe it's not true love, but like again, it's it's it feels so genuine. Like well, it feels like he really loves her, and it feels like the, I don't like, feel like there's any love there. But that that does actually bring up and one you of the have other the scene where he, yeah he doesn't want to damn her. I don't know. Like that that I, feels genuine to me when he's nah, like I, to I, me I, that scene to me pauses. that scene does not feel right. That scene feels. And for me, wrong. I think it's more just the acting than anything. Like, oh no, like, the, the acting was solid. Like the, uh, Gary Oldman, Oldman sold and, and that Ryder, scene. Yeah, they sold that they, scene. They both just make I it don't... feel so genuine, and it's like I, I, it's, it, I think it may even just be reflective of me. It's like I want this to work, but I also am like, no, I don't. Why would I want this to work? He's a horrible. <laughs> he's a <laughs> literally a monster. He is actually evil. Like the scene where she breaks up with him. Well, it doesn't break up with him because you know, they are not really together. It's an emotional affair. Like the scene where she sends him the letter when he's dining, uh, when they were going to go to dinner and she's like, Oh, you know, I've just found out that my fiance is back. Uh, and, (laughs) um, and we can't talk about this. We can't reveal this or whatever. We're not doing this. I'm not showing up to dinner. Like when he reads that letter, like my heart kind of broke for him a little bit. And I was like, why the f- am I feeling sorry for Dracula? He's a terrible, well, this is be, what should happen. Because but I still Winona, bad for him. Well, it's because moment. Winona Ryder essentially broke up with him through email. Like that's just a shitty way to break up with someone. So <laughs> well, that's true. But also it's, it, it just goes to show like how human, how human Gary Oldman's performance is that like, despite I, the fact that he's terrible, like I f- genuinely felt sorry for him because Ultimately, and, everything that has happened is because of how much he loved a woman. He renounced God for her, and that is why he is in the predicament he is in. And now he has to lose her again. And again, well, and, he's a bad person. And but again, he, if yeah. that had been played up a little bit more, I would have bought it. And and I don't think that this should have been more of a romance than what it was. And, and again, none of this mm-hmm. is, well, this movie should have been this. Like, I think the movie is exactly what it needs to be, and I think that it is a great movie. But in terms of, oh, well, he renounced God because uh, his his wife died. And so, like, now he's damned to internal damnation because of blah, 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 blah. Fine. I get that. That makes sense. And then when he sees Mina's picture and he's like, oh, well, I, I need her. Yep. Sure. Makes sense. What doesn't make sense is what was he doing the other 400 years? You know, like. Like, was the rest of his time trying to seek her out? Was the rest of the time trying to um, trying to bring vengeance to, to the He's people? Just well, but that's the thing. That's a dumb. Well, that, that, that's a non-motive. Like, if all that he's doing is just waiting around. All right. You know, but if it had been more of a he was fueled I mean, by rage the, and so he was uh, taking vengeance hmm. on anyone that you know like if if that's the reason that he man i i don't know i just feel like there could have been something more 
I, I feel like there could he's have been just, something more to make that he's opening just been scene. The whole time. Exactly. He has been just super emo for the last four hundred years. Because his his castle is all decrepit and he's by himself. Like even like the fact that Gary Oldman plays the coachman in like even goes to show you that he's the only person there. Like he's just become a recluse and shut himself away. And Which, his castle's falling apart, and yeah, his, and, and, it, and that goes to show why he's so and crazy he's got his Dracula bride. Why he becomes fine. younger, and he's got his vitality back. Yeah, he gets his Dracula brides for to get his rocks off to <laughs> because and, he's so and, depressed and that he just and like I get all that, but again, fleeting pleasure. If that if that opening scene was that relevant, I feel like there should have been a stronger emphasis on either like his eternal journey to try to find the reincarnation of his bride or mm. to be a, um, you know, a, um, a, a crusade of vengeance to destroy everyone because if he can't have his love, then no one should. And again, mm. if there had been leaning a little bit more into that, it wouldn't have been the movie that it was. I'm not saying that the movie should have changed. I'm just overanalyzing it and doing the crap yeah. that I do <laughs> of like, speaking of that though, eh. um, that, so I'm trying to think if I, I don't really have much else to say about the romance. How did you feel about the fact that she does choose him over, over Jonathan well, in the end? So like that was, I was actually kind of surprised because so I'm not that familiar with here's, here's the thing about that, I guess, but is I do also like the, uh, the side of the story, but again, I, I feel like maybe it could have been played up a little bit more, of the sexual repression and just overall repression and that's why she has such allure to dracula like yes it's there he represents and, freedom it's right. like a, it's like the the uh stuff we we're talking about with rebel without a cause and the wild one in our 50s episode <laughs> yeah <laughs> like, exactly and and again like it's <laughs> it's there you get some of it it's not like it's completely out of nowhere but it also could have been played up a little bit more but one of the things that frustrates me and I don't know if this frustrates me just in general because of how the movie treats women um, or if it frustrates me because of, um, oh, crap, I need to, uh, to actually bring up the uh, the correct director's name so that I can make sure to um, For to, to <clears throat> give proper. You know what? I will say, I, I don't know exactly where you're going with this, but I'll, I'm going to fill in the space here. The, I think that... As, as great as the director as Coppola is, it would be interesting to get a woman's perspective, like a female perspective on this. And that's why I'm so excited that the next version of Dracula is going to be directed by Karin Kusama. Like, I'm so excited about that. I, like, that is I cannot be in, wait for that one. I'm, it's going to so, be incredible. So, um, <clears throat> so yeah, here's, here's some of the things that, that bugs me. Um, when... Not when you first meet Winona, but when Winona, when uh, Mina first meets Dracula and she's all like, Psh, buzz off creep, you know, like the maps over there. And she's so seemingly empowered for like a second. And then like, mm-hmm. wait, maybe I was too harsh. Oh, my God. It, it annoys well, me. I mean, I think so, that goes it, to speak to what society was like at that time. A woman was yeah, not supposed it, to be speaking fine, out in such a way. And that's her. Fine. That's and the, I get it. And fine. But also. Uh, and he does the little puppy dog thing where he's like, I'm sorry. I didn't know you were married. I'm going to go well, away now. And there are two named women in this movie and both of them turn into vampires. Like all of the women in this movie are essentially vampire brides. Like that's the, the entire purpose of woman in this movie is to that's serve true, the purpose yeah. of man. This movie is not kind to women. 
one of the things that highlights this for me even more, and it, it's been probably two or three years since I've seen this, um, but at the time when I saw Werner, Horz- Werner Horzog's Nosferatu. Oh, I haven't seen his Nosferatu yet. Man. So from 1979, it's Where only 140... It's only 147 minutes, but it feels like it's about five hours long because it's a Herzog movie. <laughs> just... I was say only 147 minutes. It's a long ass movie, dude. <laughs> That's no, sorry. Did I say 147? An hour and 47 minutes. It, oh, if I, I said thought you meant like it's <laughs> no, like, it is what? no, it is less than uh, it's less than two hours. It's you know a, okay, okay, a, a breezy uh, 107 minutes. Even though it's not that long of a movie, it feels like it's just, oh, it, it slogs through at times. Um, but I, I watched it a few years ago, and at the time, it was for uh, for an episode that Lucas and I did on a double, uh, a, a double review of the original Nosferatu with, um, uh, with Max Schreck as the vampire, and then Herzog's Nosferatu with Klaus Kinski as the vampire. And yeah. there, man, Herzog's version is great. There's a lot that I love about it. <clears throat> but one of the things that I remember loving so much about the movie is um, it, in this movie, it had uh, Lucy as the wife of John Harker or fiance, whatever. But anyways, Lucy was a much more powerful character. Like she was Mm. tempted by Dracula or by, um, uh, well, yeah, this one, he actually is named Dracula. Uh, she was tempted, but she's the one that like goes in and defeats him. And not just like the, not just the, uh, original 1919 or whenever it was, I can't remember right now. Uh, 1920, maybe. Not just like that where uh, Nosferatu shows up in her bedroom and mm-hmm. dies because he doesn't know how to tell time. No, in this one, like she is actively seeking him out. It feels like a almost a proto Buffy the Vampire Slayer character. Oh, that's cool. Now, again, it's been two or three years since I've seen it. I could be misremembering some things. It could only be like a tiny glimpse of that that I'm putting way more into. But I remember at the time thinking how powerful her character was portrayed mm-hmm. and in uh bram stoker's dracula winona Ryder just seems so pointless you know and and again not her portrayal she's a, she's, she's her, at least kind of her i don't her know like character she's kind seems... of passive i guess the the the, the probably the problem is that her her ownership of herself is basically I choose this man over that man. I choose this man over my husband. Like her her the way that she takes charge of herself and her her destiny, I guess, in a way, is is choosing between a man, between yeah. two men, essentially. And so, yeah, just, I can definitely see that. God, it's it's frustrating and and again, because of the time of when this movie takes place, like I get it, that's the woman's role in society. Like I, I get all of that. I'm not saying, oh, this movie is terrible and it should have blah 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 blah. I'm not saying any of that. I I'm just saying that there is that little bit mm-hmm. of like I don't I don't know what Winona Ryder's purpose in this movie is like she is solely there as 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 dracula bait 
but like also <laughs> not even and it's just well she literally is used to dracula baby <laughs> the time when she literally is and and again i don't necessarily think that it should have been any different i'm not saying that um that coppola should have made a different movie this movie is what it is and what it should be and it's a great movie it very 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 much deserves to be seen by you know countless people um and by counts <laughs> counts and countless. Uh, get it because count dracula count yeah countless and countful yes um but with me and my overanalytic brain, those are just some of the things where I'm like, ah, I love this movie, but this also bugs me. And yeah, I can see that for sure. I can I yeah. definitely, I'm, I'm not going to argue against that because that is, yeah, I'm, I'm with you there. Yeah. Um, I only have one other emotional thing and it is me going back to the, uh, the Gary Oldman Keanu Reeves issue that we've had. And what I think is kind of fun about the casting of Keanu Reeves is, you know, I, we, I talked about how what I like about what's great about Gary Oldman's performance is he truly does feel like a man out of time. Like he feels like someone from the 1600s in the 1800s. Right. And what I like about Keanu is that he feels like someone from the 1990s in the 1800s and right. there's something fun. That's like the idea of them like meeting in the middle uh, like this idea, like, I mean, <clears throat> I guess the obvious parallel, the one that I assume that you're going with is that he is Bill S. Preston yep. Esquire. No, I mean, Ted, Ted Theodore Logan, that he is Bill and Ted and he has traveled back in time and he is literally playing the role of this for some it, cosmic purpose in the either universe. Either that or he's the offspring of um, Ted and he, one of the princesses. A, an, he's one of the, uh, <laughs> he's he's like a, a distant, a distant relative in the yes. past or something maybe that's that's pretty funny or yeah it could be for the offspring that's <laughs> yes that that's that is exactly where i was going with this uh <laughs> um is that he's a time traveler but even without like the an, like an explicit bill and ted uh reference i don't know there's something because like when coppola cast the film he said that like for the role of harker like he literally admits he's like yeah there's not really much that harker does he's just kind of there he's a pretty boy so uh, why don't we cast a heartthrob? And in the '90s, you know, you couldn't get. The, I think the other person that they, other people they consider, were like Christian Slater and Johnny Depp. So it's like, yeah, we want to get someone who, if they're in an airport, all the women are going to like flock to them or whatever. Someone who has that kind of Beatlemania quality to them at the time. And so that's why Keanu Reeves is there. And I think there's something like, even though you know, even if everybody thinks his performance is bad, there's something to that that kind of works for me where it feels like two men out of time meeting in the middle in some way and their interactions again just like th- that that makes their interactions work even better even if they work in a very campy kind of funny way it's so incredibly entertaining that that even I, though his performance is not bad it is an asset to the film or yeah even if his performance is bad yeah, yeah and yeah yeah, I I don't really. It just fits know the whole bizarre atmosphere of the opening of the film. Yeah, that first act. It just, I I don't know. I don't I don't even know what I think with that. Yeah. I think that the better explanation <laughs> is that uh, he's Ted and a time traveler. That's uh, that's obviously what's happening. There would be there would be some fun thing where it's like they're like. <laughs> They're like, uh, Ted, we need you to go back in time and pretend to be this man 
the fate of the universe rests on this, much like the fate of the universe rested on you getting an A in your on your history paper. Man, it would <laughs> you just cannot been, break hey, character at any go point. Go back in time, and there will be three vampire chicks who rise up out of bed. <laughs> it's almost like you get the seated. Uh, uh, I think it's. Which one is it? Is it Bogus Journey? I rewatched these movies recently. No, I think it's Excellent Adventure where he, uh, yeah, it's Excellent Adventure where he has to possess his dad. No, no, this is, no, no, this is Bogus Journey because they're dead. Uh, he has to possess his dad at one point and like the actor that plays his dad is is pretending to be Bill, pretending to be his dad and like him <laughs> trying to act like his dad just does not work at all. And that kind of fits the role of, of, <laughs> of Ted trying to be you know, in the 18th century, trying to have an English accent. That'd be funny. That's funny. It's, yeah. Again, he's not terrible. He just, he just doesn't fit. It's, it's weird. I love it. I think it works. Yeah. Uh, I, Maybe again, not I the do way love it was this intended, movie. but it works. I, well I do love this movie. Um, I was not, I wasn't expecting to be as captivated as I was rewatching it. I was expecting yeah. to be like, Oh Same. yeah, it's, it's another Dracula movie. Because, again, I've seen way too many Dracula movies over the last few months, but in watching it, it is it is beautiful. It is so technically well done. It does draw you in. Yes, it's got some issues, but to me, this is one of the movies um, that this is one of those movies that it doesn't need as much of the like analysis side like it doesn't need as much of the Mm -hmm. what is this horror trying to represent because it's Mm -hmm. just a classic dracula story and so i'm not watching it as a what fear is this eliciting you know like (laughs) like when we talked about uh lost boys and we talked about how vampirism could potentially have been a heroin addiction uh or Mm -hmm. when we talked about near dark both of which only came out five years before this one. And, you know, like they were reinventing the vampire genre. They were looking at what are vampires in modern times and what do modern vampires represent in their horrors. And like watching again, like watching lost boys, watching, um, uh, uh, near dark, like both of those are going to be drawing out some other fear watching the 92 dracula is just yeah watch another version of dracula and this one's amazing it, yep. yeah i i'm with you i i love it it's it's one of those movies that like just it's just so much fun like it's it's a movie that like makes so many bold choices and is so weird and and it's so dedicated to being weird like it is just always trying to do the weirdest possible thing it can at any given moment and just be and, and but also like feels genuinely romantic at times for me where it's like you forget the that you're looking at somebody who is the embodiment of pure evil at times like whenever in those moments so it's it, it flirts with basically every single genre of film it almost feels like it is going through the history of film in a certain way where it's like it's looking at every single possible angle it's doing all of these different things that you don't normally see combined together in a single movie it's it's really just like a full meal of a film and it's so over the top and so but also like gets all these little details right i i truly adore this movie and had an absolute blast with it we mentioned this but i think that it bears repeating the creature effects are amazing like every single time except for the wolf dracula like his weird werewolf bear suit thing to me 
doesn't oh, work as great. well. I, I think, a, man, I didn't even the, mention this. It's, like, I, it's the only one that doesn't fully work for me. Everything else, like all of the times that he's like mm-hmm. giant bat face dude, or when he's, uh, you know, old old men, or like just all of the other creatures and all of the different versions of Dracula, they look so good and are so creepy. And yeah, there's a reason again, they, it won it won an Oscar for its makeup effects and and effects and stuff. So I mean, um. Yeah, it's 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 got, it's just packed with so much detail from from like the big extravagant sets and matte paintings and stuff to like the tiniest little thing. Like when uh, one thing I forgot to mention is when Dracula sees Mina in the, the town square, she's wearing green and everybody else is in like muted colors, and like you're immediately drawn to her and you see her as like the object of his affection, essentially. Like that's just such a a little detail that you don't necessarily you're maybe not necessarily conscious of a lot of times when you watch movies like this but subconsciously it makes you like see things from his point of view and it it draws your eye to that character it's it's just on a technical level it's so brilliant such great acting all over the, over the board uh, like all over the place <laughs> sorry i'm getting a little there. It, it is. We've also been podcasting for a while, and it's starting to get a little late, and we need to be wrapping true, things yeah. up. That's true. We'll go so, ahead. so I know that uh, because we were talking about this beforehand, I know that you wanted to ask me which Dracula I think is the best, and yes. I'm going to table that for a later episode, <laughs> probably for like a a Dracula series that we do, just because there have been so many that it's not going to be just a quick little oh i think this one this one and this one like i I think that we should do an actual like dracula series and uh go in i don't know why we would do that i don't know why we would do that when the obvious answer is adam sandler um i mean one of the most obvious answers is leslie nielsen and i legit (laughs) want us to cover dead and loving it um but i've never seen it it's not good (laughs) <laughs> i i remember at the time laughing at about three scenes um and, th- and that's about it M- mostly just because of steven weber <laughs> he's mm. he's he's great um oh steven weber's in it oh that's cool yeah it's a it, it's it's not a solid movie it is not mel brooks's mess best but whatever <laughs> uh no at some point i do think that we should do a dracula series not a vampire series although that could also be fun but like very specifically Dracula. Um, After seeing this one, I'm much more interested in doing that than I ever have been. Cause I'm, I'm much more, I understand this character a lot more than I ever did before. And I actually do understand what is interesting about him now. I think after and, watching this one and the, uh, the Todd Browning version. And from I think that that is fascinating because I almost feel like with this only being the second Dracula that you've seen, um, that we are going to have very, very different views because I've seen Nosferatu. Okay. So uh, yeah. So with this only being the third one that you've seen, uh, <laughs> I, we're going to have some very different views well, because I think you're going to be I mean, like, Oh, those two, like we're old, <laughs> but man, this one is like perfect. Whereas for me, it's yeah. But part of what makes them so great is understanding like the rest of the history of Dracula. And like, yeah, I, yeah. I don't True. think that Gary Oldman's performance would have been nearly as great as it was without some of Christopher Lee's performances. And oh, yeah. I, I don't sure. think that Christopher Lee would have been nearly as, um, 
and I, I don't think that Christopher Lee would have been the decision for as many Dracula movies were it not for, I want to say John Carradine uh, in some of the early universal monster uh, versions of Dracula. So like for, for me, you almost need to see the rest of them to build up to Gary Oldman rather than watching him and then going backwards. If for no other reason, then, you know, the practical effects are not as good (laughs) in the forties and fifties and seventies. All right. Well, you also forgot to mention Duncan Rieger in monster squad. I mean, he's obviously, he's He's, obviously in the conversation there. Well, yeah, but he is is also (laughs) very clearly, uh, based more off of the Bella Lugosi style Dracula and true. true, true, We we need to, he's a, he's a phenomenal Dracula. We need to do a Dracula series, um, because that could be a lot of fun for me, at least. Yeah. And Dracula's not even my uh, favorite. Be fun for me. Like he he is not my favorite uh monster. And yeah, like you said, either. sometimes vampires kind of boring. But uh Dracula movies, there's there's a lot for us to discuss. All right, Eric, how rewatchable is Bram Stoker's Dracula? Nathan, let me tell you, as soon as this movie ended, I went online and bought the Blu-ray which I never do. Like I, I, you're a big physical media guy. I don't really have quite, I mean, I have a few hundred DVDs and Blu-rays and stuff. I mean, I have a pretty solid collection, but I've stopped buying things quite as much lately because most everything I want to watch, I can find streaming for the most part. Um, and I don't, even when I have physical media, I don't really watch it all that often because there's so much out there that I want to watch that I can, fine or we're doing podcasts and stuff but yeah i immediately got this because i really want to dive into it even more i want to watch all the special features which i usually don't do just because i feel like i don't have enough time even though i love that kind of stuff but but yeah this movie i just want to learn so much more about it and how they've achieved some of those effects and uh i would love to hear a commentary track for this film and i know that there is one with with coppola and i really want to hear that Uh, like I, i even mentioned to you uh, after finishing the movie, I was like, yeah, I really want to just like rewatch it again before we record so I can soak in all the details that I missed because, you know, like I said, I was so struck by just the look of the film and just kind of mesmerized by it that I almost didn't even pay that much attention to what was actually going on between these characters sometimes <laughs> like, or it was fragmented enough that it maybe didn't stick as well as I would have liked to liked it to. Sure. Um, I, I really, this is, this is, a tremendous discovery for me. I think I, I really love it and want to rewatch it again as soon as possible, probably within the next couple of years or so. Um, I, or, you know, as soon as I get my Blu-ray, I want to watch it with a commentary from Leslie Nielsen, uh, where he is comparing <laughs> his Dracula to Gary Oldman. That's, that's the version that, that I want to watch. <laughs> that would be pretty fun. Uh, yeah, no, I'm, as well. I'm I'm right there with you. I've got the Blu-ray of it, and um, yeah, it's uh, it 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 is a very very solid movie. Again, technically, so many things about it are just just so brilliant and so amazing. And you know, like we mentioned at the top of this episode, part of the reason that we are doing '90s and Audis horror movies uh, for our Halloween coverage is rather than just doing a single decades episode, is because a lot of people don't think back so fondly on on those two decades but man there are some great horror movies and this is absolutely an example of an amazing horror movie that 
it, it does stand up like rewatching it now it feels like it could have come out this year and and part of that is because of the practical effects to where it doesn't feel dated part of that is because it is telling a uh, a, a classic gothic story and it is a period piece and so the setting doesn't feel dated because it, again, if you're telling a period piece, then you could have made it yesterday or 20 years ago. If it was about something 200 mm. years ago, doesn't matter. Um, and and so I feel like those are some of the things that really help it hold up. It's um, it is just a solid movie beginning to end. Yeah, there are some issues that could be analyzed, or in my case, over analyzed, but none of those actually get in the way of the enjoyment of the film. Like this is a when I watched this again, so captivated beginning to end. And then at the end it was, let me think about some things, uh, but it's not the kind of movie that as I'm watching it, I'm just like, uh, uh, it's like, man, this movie is awesome. Hey, wait a second. Why aren't there more women in this movie? Oh my God, this movie is amazing. Wait a second. What, what? That doesn't make any sense. But again, because the movie itself is so captivating, some of those flaws, do not stand out during the movie. I, I had some similar questions while I was watching it, and and it was like, hmm, wait a second, why do people think that The Godfather and Godfather Two and Apocalypse Now are Coppola's masterpieces when he made this movie? Super weird. Well, like, I, I don't understand it. it because um, I'm I'm only I'm, I'm I'm speaking in jest, but at the same it, time, I'm like, I almost feel like this movie could be, be in the conversation. Well, it would be like if there is a current with artist, the conversation. It'd be like if there is a current artist who did a, uh, a a remake of the Mona Lisa, you wouldn't say that that is their crowning achievement because they're <laughs> just doing something that someone else has done, maybe doing it better, but it's not like their work, you know? Right. So yeah. that's um, that's part of it is because there have I mean, been, I'm not saying this movie man. actually is better than those movies because those movies are obviously some of the greatest things ever put to film the conversation that he did in between the two godfather movies also fantastic movie that should be in the conversation but man i dracula's it's it's so good it's amazing it's also a movie that anyone could have made i'm not saying anyone could have made it but this isn't but i'm saying anyone could have made it (laughs) kind of uh no this is again technically such a great movie i i love it beginning to end even with its very minor flaws even with its bad accents this is a movie that i think could be watched at at least two times a year like it mm-hmm. it could very easily it here's how rewatchable this movie is for me if i was uh for instance putting together a halloween countdown or if i was putting together a like horror movie um uh uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Marathon with some friends. If I was like, all right, what vampire movie do I want to put in the lineup? Bram Stoker's Dracula, without a doubt, is going to be in the consideration. It might not always be the one that I yeah. choose based on the other movies that end up uh, in the lineup. Mm. But, uh, but yeah, like if I was showing someone like maybe like if I was trying to introduce someone to horror who doesn't understand why horror movies are great. And I was like, okay, I'm, I'm going to like walk you through all the basics. You're going to watch a vampire movie. You're going to watch a zombie movie. You're going to watch a Frankenstein movie. You're going to watch a, you know, like all yeah. of these kinds of things. Um, 
I probably wouldn't consider the um the thirties Dracula. Like that one would be yeah. a there are better universal movies but yeah yeah like bram stoker's dracula without a like without hesitation is going to be all right so dracula movies uh we've got bram stoker's dracula we've got uh dracula ad 1972 um and I love the fact that that's the second one that comes to mind. I was like, yeah, that's that's an interesting one, but <laughs> it's it's not. I dig it. Whew, man, we got man, we got to talk about that movie. Um, yeah, it's 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 great. I'm, um, Bram Stoker's sure. Dracula, that is, and I don't think that I'm gonna rewatch it before Halloween because I have too many other movies that I also need to be watching. Oh yeah, yeah, but. It is a movie that um, that I kind of want to rewatch before Halloween. Like, yeah, I'm, no, I'm, I'm with you. Yeah, it's um, it's a good one for Halloween because it's it's got all it, it it encapsulates all the different horror tones. Yeah, that you it, love. So I think that's actually so to get into uh, who do I recommend this movie for? I think, hey, Eric, who do you recommend this movie for? <laughs> uh, what just kind of popped into my head uh, is. I feel like if you are a fan of the Guillermo del Toro horror stylings, like he's the kind of guy who has such a clear affinity for every single corner of the horror genre and packs all of that into his movies. Like he has, he's got incredible production design and, uh, and phenomenal performances. And he's got like some funny stuff and some like heartbreaking stuff and genuine romance. I mean, like something like the shape of water, it kind of like, this feels like it could very much be in the same conversation as something like the shape of water as a monster romance. Um, I could see that. I think the shape of water is, is a better movie. Oh, I uh, mean, uh, why even hesitate with that? I mean, <laughs> why was there even, a, I think say, shape of like, water is a better movie. It's like, no, I shape think of water actually, is infinitely a better movie. Hands down. I think it's no a clo- question. I think it's close. No, I think it's close. dude. Um, dude, I, know I that love you, you, Bram Stoker's Dracula, like, but they are not even close shape of water I mean, is a not, perfect movie bram stoker's dracula is. is a great movie with a lot of technically proficient stuff that's really really cool <laughs> I, I i obviously love bram stoker's dracula a little bit more than you do i no, I, I definitely I think shape of water is better but i think they're in the conversation to be pretty close to one another but but no i mean like but but to get back to my point i think that like if you love Guillermo del Toro's films, then Bram Stoker's Dracula's movie you have to see. Like, I can't imagine, like, I feel like del Toro probably loves this movie as well. Um, it, it really just, if you, if you enjoy the universal monster movies, but are looking for something similar to that, but with a more modern twist with a little bit more of the kind of like violence and, you know, eroticism and adult content that they could not have put in these films at the time. Um, then yeah, this feels like a very natural kind of evolution uh, it feels like a movie that easily could have been made in the 1930s if they had the technology and could get away with the things that they throw on the screen in this movie. Right. It really feels like it's akin to that. Um, yeah, I, I I don't know. Like it, it's one of those where again, like it's weird to me that it was so that it was kind of divisive on its release. Like, I mean, I guess I kind of get it with the acting and certain well, stuff. And so- at the time, it probably did seem very weird and out there and different um here's here's one of the things super quick that i think actually played into why um 
that I think played into why maybe it was a little bit more divisive when it came out that I kind of alluded to earlier. And I said I was going to get back to and I <laughs> did not make the time to actually get back to it was another Dracula movie needed. You know, like there have been so many other Dracula movies and it was just another classic monster. And like, yeah, it's really, really cool that Coppola did so many classic movie tricks to make this one happen. But was it necessary? You know, like and again, because CG was uh, a lot more prevalent at the time, you know, if people were watching this and they were just like, oh, well, if you're going to do a vampire movie, why couldn't you have just done this thing? Why couldn't you have just made this movie? Uh, you know, why couldn't you have done a different vampire movie? especially thinking about the fact that just five years prior, you do start getting movies like the lost boys and near dark. And you do start getting some of these, uh, you, you get some of the variations on the theme. You do start straying a little bit from all of that. Um, you know, the, the next year you get Jurassic park. So you get a completely original movie. Yes. Based off of a, a story, but there's so many other movies that were coming out during the nineties that felt original, that felt different, that felt necessary that I can understand why in 92, there would have been a, do we need a Dracula movie right now? I almost feel like you, you kind of, I feel like I almost feel like the way that you say this actually kind of shows why it was necessary because the at this point the the modern like the vampire mythology had evolved so much with with things like lost boys and and near dark that like it almost felt like a few years down the road it was like okay so maybe we should kind of go back and and get back to the root of of that mythology like it's uh, no, time to I, get a modern version of what actually what like where this came from like, no i it, it almost would I make agree. it because of all that it almost seems like it would make it even more feel even more original at the time no, to i do agree a little bit more old-fashioned and i love it all i'm not saying that that is my viewpoint i'm just saying i right, think right, that yeah, that yeah. could have been why it was divisive gotcha, you gotcha. know kind of like the um kind of like the wolfman remake with del toro <laughs> it's sorry my dog is barking don't, don't you mean the beautiful creature I, I, of the I, night and uh, is singing yes, yes, a song yes. What, what sweet music he makes. <laughs> the, uh, it, it's kind of like the Wolfman remake with Del Toro and uh, again, Anthony Hopkins, where it's oh, like, I haven't seen that either. It's I, I remember. Hopkins, oh yeah, that's right. Anthony Hopkins is in that. I need to rewatch it. I had mixed feelings on it at the time, but there was some of that question of, do we need it? You know, like, do mm. we need another remake of this classic movie comparing it to something like brendan fraser in the mummy where that like yes it's the mummy but it's not the same style of mummy that you're watching when you watch swashbuckling kind of adventure film right so it was taking that classic movie and giving a different spin on it and which this movie actually has a little bit of that too toward the end there's like it almost feels like a western in that final fight i'm sorry Oh, no, no, you've got some of those things. Like, there are reasons that this movie stands out. I'm just saying, I think that that could have been the reason. Um, you know, like, e- even for you, when you were like, ugh, I never fully understood Dracula, even vampire movies in general. So, yeah, you know, for the mid 90s, for the early 90s horror audience, 
did, did they need a remake of a classic movie that held so closely to classic movie making styles i wonder i'm kind of wondering too like if this movie is the reason why we got so many more vampire like this is right around because Anne rice was kind of popular around this time with her lestat films and then a couple years after dracula we get the interview with the vampire film so i feel like this movie may have even been kind of like the thing that ushered in the the sexy vampire trend (laughs) again at the time yeah and and again i don't disagree with that at all it is i think a very important movie i do think that i i think that anyone who is a fan of horror needs to see this movie um i think that it is it's not graphic and even the uh even the sex scene it's not explicit there's definitely some nudity there's definitely some blood yeah so it like this is a mature movie in terms of uh like don't watch it with kids but there's not babies there's not too much about yes babies are okay (laughs) there's not cover their ass during that what scene (laughs) there's not too much about this movie that would be like a oh don't watch this with someone who doesn't like horror because it's like now this this is a movie that could be enjoyed by someone who does not love horror movies if you just let them know there's going to be some blood there's going to be some monsters you know not much just a little bit and there there are some boobs but yeah i think this is required viewing for any fan of horror and if you are looking for more movies um with a werewolf banging a chick uh check out wolf cop so there's uh there's that recommendation oh man okay (laughs) if that's the scene that stood out to you you should watch wolf cop that's uh Mm -hmm. that's who i recommend this movie for it's hard for that scene not to stand out to anyone who watches this movie (laughs) it uh it's 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 one of those things where you watch it it's like wait did i really just see what i just saw like did that really just happen oh man yep all right right. eric where do you want people to find you you can find me on twitter at the chimerican that is t-h-e-c-h-i-m-e-r-i-c-a-n uh you can find me on instagram at chimerican reviews and i promise that i'm gonna actually start putting stuff on there no you're not sometime soon probably maybe um, I'm gonna put this Dracula episode on there now, just to just to just because you said I'm not. <laughs> Take that. Uh, and you can find me on Letterbox at Eric J A Y. And you can follow me slash the podcast on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd at Video Monster Pod. Uh, you can also follow me personally on Letterboxd at The Gargile. And if you enjoyed this episode and want to keep coming back for more of our uh, 90s and Audis horror movie coverage, or just, you know, if, if you want to come back and listen to us talk about movies, regardless, we do cover movies other than horror. Not often. <laughs> horror is definitely... Uh, definitely our primary leaning but yeah if you enjoyed this episode and want to keep coming back just subscribe wherever you get your podcasts just do a search for video monsters all right that's been it for this episode of video monsters i'm nathan and i'm eric and remember kids um if you see like some creepy dude in the street and he calls you by name and grabs you by the arm and is like just just creepy um keep walking don't don't be like oh i'm so sorry i was too harsh no no if if creepy dudes being creepy be harsh and and then um yeah don't trust vampires but but i mean nathan as we all know 
there is much to be learned from beasts. So, sure. If, it's a, if they're a vampire, then you know maybe, especially if they've crossed oceans of time for you, like it's pretty rude to just be like, Dude, oh, nah. What the hell is an That's ocean dedication. of time? That doesn't even make any sense. It's a very large amount of time, Nathan. It's pretty clear what that metaphor is. No, no. Like, is it like a sand timer that he has filled with water? Like that. Doesn't make sense. <laughs> you know what? You know what? What so funny? You just reminded me of uh, what you said. That doesn't make sense. One of my other favorite moments of this movie, as because all of them are my favorite. I love the way that uh, whatever they're talking about Lucy after she's after she's died and she's not in the coffin, and Van Helsing says she is undead. Like the way that he, the way that um, Arthur responds to that is undead. Like it's so funny, like the mix of like disgust and confusion in his voice, because it's a word that like in a modern context, you hear the word undead all the time. It doesn't make, I mean, it makes perfect sense because we hear it in zombie movies and stuff all the time. But like thinking about that, that probably was the first time he had ever heard that word, and he's like, "What the f- do you mean undead?" <laughs> like, it's so great. Oh man, so good. Anyway, uh, uh yeah, yeah, great movie Dracula. Yeah, it's a solid film perfect it's it's not perfect a plus it is plus, it is plus. not a- <laughs> <laughs> i'm just saying this now to get on your nerves b plus a minus it all right it d- depending depending on uh what mindset i'm in when i'm watching it it is uh, yeah it, it's it's straddling that b b plus a minus range um just this yeah. My dog is attacking me. That's why I said ow a minute ago in case anybody's wondering. I, I want to make sure you know that I was not just bitten by a vampire or <laughs> any other kind of beast. Dude, I think your dog is a vampire. That's a lot. <laughs> oh, come on. How much more awesome would it be if he was a vampire? It would be pretty cool, actually. I'm going to dress him up as a vampire for Halloween, now, even though I can't exactly. No, just dr- dress anywhere. him up like uh, old man Gary Oldman with the big like Princess Leia uh, <laughs> bun head. And the giant oh, tail yeah. and Oh man, we didn't talk about the fact that his his hair is a heart. It's so sweet. We didn't everything, talk about everything the fact. about Dracula is based on love. We didn't talk about the fact that uh he was obviously based on the Emperor from Star Wars. And <laughs> Yeah, he does look like the Emperor from Star. Man, if you put a cloak on him, he'd look just like the Emperor from Star Wars. That's a- man. What if the uh-huh. Emperor? What if the Emperor has that hair under his under his <gasps> cloak? What if the Emperor like is Dracula? Th- it was a long time ago. <laughs> Ooh. Oh yeah, Dracula. Yeah. It's Dracula in space. Oh my god, Dracula and, in space. That's what. And like you, you saw his sword wielding skills. Skills. <clears throat> his sword skills. wielding skills. <laughs> When, skills. uh, <laughs> shut up, his <laughs> sword wielding skills. When, when Keanu laughed about leaving the church. Oh, yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Dracula like is a Sith. <laughs> okay. I mean, mean, come oh, on. man. That means Count, Count Dooku, <clears throat> Count Dracula. Count Dooku was uh, played by Christopher Lee, who was also who was Dracula. Dracula. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's true. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I'm trying to think was uh, Richard E. Grant is in Rise of Skywalker. Yeah, that's that's a thing that happened. Yeah, yeah. Um, so re- remember, kids, uh, Sith are essentially space vampires. 
Also, um, Winona Ryder is Spock's mom, so there's some Star Trek action there too. Dracula is the movie that has bridged the Star Trek and Star Wars gap. Um, obviously, sure. Or I find that's a stretch. That yeah, I have crossed galaxies of time to be with you. But no, no. Here's okay. Here's how that can work. Um, so, <laughs> God, I'm such a nerd. So, <laughs> so Bill and Ted get in their phone booth. You know, they're traveling through time, and at some point, they cross paths with Doctor Who. Because obviously they're both traveling around in phone booths, so of course they're going to cross paths. Sure, sure. There has been a Doctor Who Star Trek crossover in the comics. Uh, so I didn't know that. Yeah. So um, that yeah, the uh, uh, Keanu was flying around in his space phone booth. He picked up Winona, and then was carrying her around, and she jumped into Doctor Who's TARDIS. He dropped her off in Star Trek to be Spock's mom. And then somehow she went back in time in Star Trek. Was it five or four where they go back to like 1970s uh, California? And and then while she's there, she... I got nothing. <laughs> so this is too much of a stretch. You, you were getting there. You were somewhere there. It was getting a little convoluted, but uh, but I, I like I like the effort. I I'm Did just sticking ha- with the beginning, middle, and end of Lord of the Rings, um, Star Wars, and Dracula, with Christopher Lee being the same character. <laughs> as, yeah. Okay, um, that works. I like that. Yeah, that's that's I what like I'm sticking with. Um, have you heard? Did you hear the story that apparently Keanu Reeves and Winona Ryder were actually married on the set of Dracula? By accident? I did not. Because apparently, in that scene where they're getting married in the church, they like they were shooting it one way, but it wasn't working. So Coppola brought in like a real minister <laughs> to perform the ceremony, <laughs> and they just did like a full ceremony and shot it. And so, like, apparently, I mean, there's <laughs> you could argue that they are technically married. I guess not probably not consummated but i mean you know <laughs> or they, they man, i don't know we don't know what happened they said well that's true they said that they said though that like they will occasionally like text each other jokingly as husband and wife which is pretty funny <laughs> i yeah. love that Good all right stuff. we need to go keep coming back listening to, to more so episodes yeah, of go. video monsters <laughs> and uh we'll see you next time bye